episode 104, and there he is, Grizzly Adams himself. <laughs> Timely reference for everybody, right? Everyone knows who Grizzly Adams is. I don't think anybody knows who no. Grizzly Adams is. I'm not sure that I know who Grizzly I just know he had a big beard, <laughs> yes. and he was, a, he was a guy who lived in the wilderness, he right? He was grizzled, yes. They used to film some of that in Washington State. Is know? that right? Yes, sir. I did not know that. They trained the bears up in uh, Squim. Is that your new nickname now, as you return from three days out into the wilderness? Grizzly uh, Adams, Scott, Hotshot. Grizzly Adams? Technically four days out there in the woods. Left Thursday, Friday, God. Saturday, back. Yeah. So at last that we check. Now, this is for the for the non-patrons. They didn't hear any of this. Oh, yeah. Unless they were gaffing it. Right. Um, <laughs> you had announced on the Thursday show, the patron show, and we'll get to patron shows here in a minute. You had announced that you were going, you were going camping with your daughter. <laughs> yes. And other father daughters or just father children or? Father children. Father children. Yeah. So there's No seven... wives. No moms. Yeah. No moms, I think, want to go. But yeah, it's just, just the dads. Okay. Yeah. And you were leaving on Thursday, and you're just returning. And you were complaining. You had forgotten <laughs> how expensive forget. it is, how difficult it is, the prep that you have to go through, oh. the building of the tents oh. and the campfires and all of that. The whole thing. Just the whole thing, which just made it... Not that it was intriguing to me to begin with. <laughs> there was nothing inviting about right. it to begin with. Then you throw that at me, and I'm like... I'd rather go for a root canal than do that. Yeah. Uh, we, Piper and I went to the store to get food and drinks for... I was responsible for two meals, okay? It was $198 at the store. For well, for how many people? <laughs> two meals for how many people? Well, for seven and ten. And okay. yeah, I mean, okay. but it's just like... It's, to go sit in the woods is the part I can't get over. To go sit in the woods, it's $200. Okay. And you gotta, well, everybody else paid $200 for something else, else Yeah, right? everyone else is paying. And okay. oh, it's such okay. a pain in right. the ass. But... But... They love it. The kids absolutely love it. I and don't know why. Did Dad love it? I feel the same way. What was the name way. of the place? Lake Cachise or something? Lake Cachise Campground, yeah. I feel the same way I did last year. If I didn't have kids, I don't know that I would ever go. Honestly. It's such oh, a I know. pain. <laughs> yeah, you definitely know. <laughs> but I, you know, we're, we're cliff jumping and we're at the beach all day. And they, the kids just love it. The s'mores at night. and uh, yeah. It would, does it go fast or does it go slow? To me, it would go slow. Well, the time would pass very slowly. There's always, it feels like you're always doing something. Really? Yeah, but you're not just sitting there? Well, you don't want to be doing that all the that dads stuff, just drinking around the campfire? Is that what's going on? You that, put the kids, <laughs> the kids are not going to sleep before you guys do. No, no, no. You don't no, put the sure. kids to sleep. So what are they doing while you're drinking around oh, the campfire? Oh, no, we definitely put them to bed. Like around 10, no. 10, 10, 30. Well, they really? Get, yeah, they get tired. They, they, they run themselves ragged. So, yeah, they go to bed. And then but, you got to whisper so you don't wake anybody up? Or how does that work? Nah, you don't. The kids sleep through it. You okay. don't have to whisper. Okay. And then you're up until when? Uh, well, the first night was one fifteen, And the next night, midnight or so around there. Telling campfire one. stories? Yeah, just BSing, you know, just bullcrapping. Really? Do you remember the, the podcast ever come up? Do you remember the oh, the yeah, Mitch Unfiltered sure. ever come up? Yeah, they all listen. People were talking to me. Really? About we it. have That's, seven listeners. That, well, no, no. There was four dads total, and, and one was me. <laughs> you have three. <laughs> the kids don't listen. <laughs> Any patrons in the bunch? Yes. As a matter of fact, because one of them was talking to me about the patron episode. And I was like, <gasps> yes. I was like, oh, yes. there you go. Thanks, buddy. That makes one. That makes one. Yes, one. <laughs> a call poured in. Do you remember? A text poured in. The George Carlin bit, uh, something about stuff. Place for my stuff. Yeah, I you do. Kind of remember I that? kind of vaguely remember that. Yeah. That's how it feels when you camp. You have to make a smaller version of your house, right? Yeah. You need to sleep and eat. Right. I brought a stove. Right. But then you go to the lake for four hours. Now you got to make an even smaller version of your stuff. You got to bring food and towel. 
So you're, it feels like you're always doing something. Okay, get, get your swimsuit on. Where's the sunscreen? Why is there a sock over there? Where's the other one? It's, it, so when I say you're always busy, it's not fun. Busy. Can you now stand Non-stop. in these tents? Are these tents big enough where you're staying well, that you can stand and get your swim sunk on? Or do you, is it not tall enough? I mean, give me a, a visual of how big these tents are. Well, they have. I a, think of they, a little tent. They like have they a ver- crawl in. <laughs> Charlie Brown and Snoop, the one yeah, Snoopy would yeah. like. <laughs> well, they have a variety of tents, Mitch. Yeah. You're welcome to get whatever size Yours. you'd like. What did you? What size do you? Did you? She have? can stand up in it, which is nice because okay. she can change. Okay. I can kind of stand up in it. Not. Re- I know. No it, showers for three days. Uh, I shower. <laughs> trying to figure this out here. And typically, I don't. I, I could now, take her leave showers. Like honestly, okay. I don't. Are you coming straight from there? Or are you? Have well, you gotten back? I was gonna say typically, I don't really care about showers, but. When I got home Sunday, at first I didn't even unpack the car. What do you mean? Typically, you don't care about like, showers. I could go two or three days like without showering. Really? Yeah, my, my, this is something I never knew oh, after twenty-five years. Really? I could definitely go two or three days without showering. Oh, that is disgusting. Is it? Oh, really? My, well, I don't know. <laughs> You're talking to a guy who takes like at least one, two showers a day. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> so, but the first thing I did was run home. I like you want to shower so badly when you get home. So okay. I did shower before I came to your house for you. But the the, the cherry on top of the shit Sunday this morning was. I woke up at like 7.30 or 8, and one of the dads is just furiously packing, like getting the hell out of here. Really? M- more than going ever. stir crazy. Well, apparently- Something happened. So he has a tent with three kids in it. They're on cots. Oh, I know. Uh, crazy. They're on cots. God. Yeah. He has his own little tiny tent he sleeps in. Yeah. Okay, so I wake up. I don't really know what's going on. I see two of the kids in his tent, and I figure out that his son threw up in the middle of the night. Oh, God. In the tent. So the other two kids are getting the hell out of there. They oh, go. <laughs> so he's, I saw him throw away a pillow, a sleeping bag. He just, he goes, whatever urgency I had to get out of here just multiplied by 10. <laughs> he was just on I fire. I have to make a confession <laughs> that after Thursday's patron show, yeah. you left mm-hmm. and you went camping. And I actually had a conversation with myself. Oh, okay. And I wondered to myself, look, he's going to come back. We're going to record 104 and he's going to tell me all about camping. Yeah. I, wa- I wonder what are the chances that this act that I have no interest in, uh-huh. that he will describe it in such a way on 104 <laughs> that I actually give some level of thought like, hmm, that might not be just that bad of an experience. Yeah. And it just... No. Not even close. No, you have not done a good job. If that's what you've been trying to do... No, have, I haven't. I haven't. I mean, I have, I have less interest in going camping now after yeah. listening to that routine than I did before. Oh, poor guy. Well, I'm sure Throw that they're... up oh, and the whole... Th- it's Who's like, the poor guy? The father or the kid that was thrown up? Well, both. I mean, and, oh. so like his kid just refuses to eat food throughout the day. Oh. But when the s'mores come out, it's five of those. And just he just made himself sick off sugar. Just, yeah. So oh, he, he's dealing with puke God. and he... Oh, God. Well, anyway, the I kids love it. I didn't... Well, welcome home. Thank you so welcome much. Welcome home. Welcome back to episode 104 of Mitch Unfiltered. And hello to the patron and the other guys... If they're listening right now, hearing yes. the story of their camping adventure. That's right. Yeah. What did you feed them on your two, your two meals? The the Soden two meals. Well, I the had Grizzly Adams two meals. I had breakfasts. Uh, maybe it was three meals. Three actually. meals. Uh, Would you serve these guys? Friday. No, it was two meals. Friday, no Saturday morning. No fridges. So. Well, you have a you have a cooler. cooler. Do, you, yeah, do yeah. you possess a cooler? Do you own a cooler? Oh, of course. Oh, we, have, oh, we have lots of coolers. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, sure. I live in one. <laughs> coolers are great. They're the yeah. greatest thing ever. Yeah. Uh, I made pancakes and bacon the first morning. And then pancakes and wow. sausage links the next morning. I, Where? I, well, I have a little stove. Wow. A little portable stove. It's Look awesome. Runs on mini propane tanks. It's the greatest thing wow. ever. Yeah, I'm cooking away, cooking pancakes. Look at you. And, um, I'm Still a beast. Still don't want to go. Still don't want to go. Still out. It's, no. it's, it's the, just the dirt and the filth. Ew. 
At, at night, I have these face wipes. I just wipe, and it's just brown. Like, oh, yeah. that's disgusting. Yeah, the that's disgusting. Dust and no, dirt and filth everywhere. No, I need a shower. Yeah. Now, I did go to Whidbey Island. Does that count? Really? Yeah. So in the last week, week and a half, Leavenworth, the Wenatchee River rafting, tubing in Lake Washington, yeah. Whidbey Island to both play golf, go boating, and do crabbing. Oh, wow. We caught some crabs. We're only allowed to get five. Yeah, yeah. If anybody's listening of any official capacity, <laughs> we only took our five. You took your limit. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, brought some home. And, and uh, so I've enjoyed... I- I- I'm like... Is that a family thing or a guy no, thing? No, no, no. I, I was invited by a pal who's got a who's got a place in Whidbey Island right on the beach. Sure. He's a golfing friend. So he asked me if I'd come over and go play golf with him and then go out in the boat. Yeah. He set these crab traps. Sure, with the raw chicken. Oh, yeah, raw chicken. There you go. Yeah. He set them out somewhere. I don't even know how he finds them. He goes out 15 minutes into the boat. It's he's, like 15, he's 20 minutes away. He's got a buoy. Uh, he's got a buoy, but yeah. he's, got to go, he's got to figure it out by the lay of the land. Oh, and like yeah. He finds them, pulls them up. Those guys are in there, and they're trapped. Yeah. These crabs are not going anywhere when they're in there. And they don't look happy to be in there. <laughs> they look the crabby, way. don't they? They look very crabby. <laughs> so I did that, and I'm and I'm and I'm realizing after 25 years, there's life outside <laughs> of underneath my desk now, in the state that, of Washington. Is that an overnight for you, or was no, that a no, day trip? No, You're not I don't do over- no, no, oh, no, 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 no. What kind of question is that? <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? No, I got up and I I raced to get a ferry in Muckleteo. Sure, yeah. And uh, and and put my put my car up on the ferry. Oh, yeah. Rode over over there and was there for you know eight or ten hours. I don't know how many hours were there eight or ten hours and then at night I came back and came back with the, the crab for the family oh. and the next night we we steamed them up and ready to go you're a so, real hunter gatherer hunting and <sighs> gathering food for your family I'm just feeling really like a new man <laughs> is that right uh, <laughs> I'm just traveling like all over the state look at you I don't know what's gotten into you but Whidbey is beautiful if you haven't been Whidbey Island is great well it's George I Carl it. oh, I love Whidbey oh, no I had been many many times okay well we I'm t- like the times. listeners if they haven't been it's oh awesome. okay yeah. yeah I had been it's been years and years and years but I had another friend who had a place there and has lent me the place before I mean it was it's I, I like Whidbey yeah, it's I great. like Whidbey a lot mm-hmm. um as George Carlin would say, before we start the show, just one other kind of clerical item. Actually, there's a few clerical items. Um, have you ever found yourself reading headlines? I was going to say picking up the newspaper. Nobody picks up a newspaper anymore. Reading headlines, reading stories, informing yourself about the world over and over again over the course of a couple of days. And you start seeing the same name in the headlines written about in a, and you're like, this is feeling like everybody in the world knows who this person is, and I'm the last guy on earth to know this person. Have you ever felt that, or am I the only? I'm sure I'm the only guy who feels that. Wait, well, I, I, I'm late to the party, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm late to the party on certain things. I was gonna say, I, I think that probably happens to you more and more. Oh, I know what he was talking about. This guy at camping was like, he really never put earbuds in his ears. No, that, oh, I got, I got new ones. <laughs> that was one of the things he wanted to talk I about. I bought myself a gift. I got, I got the fancy schmancy ones. They're here. Oh, I told you that I was afraid yeah. that I got taken. Yeah, yeah. Because I found a good price, and you're like, your your money's gone, if man. It's too good to be They're true. They're here, really. They're here. I got new, but. Yeah, so this person. Mach- Machine Gun Kelly? Tommy? Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah. Am I supposed to know who this person is? I asked this on Twitter. I'm asking it here on the podcast. Every time I turn around in the last, like, three weeks, Megan Fox. Is it yeah. Megan Fox? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And him, and his. he's got a fight with this person and that person. And it's getting to the point where I'm like, okay, does the whole world know who Machine Kelly <laughs> Is it Machine, Machine Gun Kelly Machine is? Machine Gun Kelly, yeah. Who is this person? <laughs> 
Am I supposed to know this? Well, I think you're asking the wrong guy. Oh, so you don't know who this person is either. Well, there was a Motley Crue movie that came out a year ago called Dirt or The Dirt. It was great about Motley Crue. He played Tommy Lee, the drummer. And I was like, who is this guy? I had to look him up. Tommy so. Lee? No, oh, no. I know who Tommy Lee is. Well, no, Machine Gun Kelly played Tommy oh, Lee in the movie. Okay. okay. But he was good, okay. and he kind of okay. looked like him. I was like, where'd they get this okay. guy? So that, that's when I, I've only known about him for a year. He's a rapper, everybody's telling me on yeah. Twitter. So yeah, that's yeah. probably one of the reasons I don't know who he is. And yeah. So you, you have very little, you have very limited. You're right behind me. You I'm, don't really know who he is. I'm probably a little in front of you. A little front. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I just know Megan. I saw okay. that Megan Fox is hanging out with him, so good for him. Yeah, I just, he's in every headline, every story I read, <laughs> I Machine Gun Kelly, and there's pictures of him, and I'm like, who is this cat? I feel that way I about know, I don't Jake know. Paul. I can't stop talking about this turd. Oh, this is the guy from YouTube again. He, he's like invaded my life. Every headline I see is Jake Paul. He's been, met. you have mentioned him on like the last oh. eight consecutive podcasts. I know. He's now got a, a great run going. I know. <laughs> I wish he was a patron. Anyway, subscribe, listen, and give us a rating and review. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. It's called Mitch Unfiltered. You can also go to MitchUnfiltered.com. This and all other 103 episodes, Hot Shot, we are now on episode 104, can be heard on all Apple or all platforms, I should say, not Apple. Yeah. All podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts and Google and all the ones I just mentioned. Uh, you can become a patron by going to MitchUnfiltered.com. This is the season. Tis the season to become a patron. That's right. We're getting ready to do a lot, a lot, a lot of content. We're, we're looking at a deal. I'm talking to, I should, probably shouldn't even mention this. It's probably too early and premature. But I'm looking to do a deal on Seahawks and Kraken gear for just Mitch Unfiltered. Page, like a Ooh. like a savings deal. Oh, like nice. 50% off if you're a Mitch Unfiltered patron for Seahawks and Kraken gear. Great. I'm working with a, a, local, a local t-shirt guy. Um, you can become a patron for $5 a month at MitchUnfiltered.com. You'll have access to tons of content. We're actually doing, a, obviously, a full show on Thursdays that we're talking about there, the P shows, but I've, I've since added a feature called Play Better Golf with Rick Fair. I don't, you probably would never listen to that because you you've always told me you don't, you won't, you don't want to get, you don't want to even be seen on a golf course. <laughs> Did I say that? That's what you said. I, that, that it sounds it's about bad right. for my reputation if I'm seen. A, it's like me at a campsite, That's right. you at a golf course. What right? will happen first? Well, I it, golf 18 or you go camping? You will golf 18. Really? Yeah, because you've golf 18 before, haven't you? Yeah, like a bachelor party or something I went. That's, and, that beats my camping. But I hated it. It was but awful. But it beats my camping. Really? Well, I know for a fact that some people that are listening right now to this podcast like to try to play golf. None of us are any good. We all think we're good, but yeah. we're not good. Many of us don't even think we're good. Rick Fair who is a former PGA Tour winner. He's a Seattle guy. He's a director of instruction at Aldera. And we've now done three installments for patrons where we go over three parts of the game. So three tips each installment. So we've Great. done nine. And people have emailed me and tweeted me and texted me that he's already helping their game. Really? So That's great. if you are a patron, look out and you like to play golf, Play better golf with Rick Fair. If you're a non-patron and you're looking for reasons to spend the five bucks a month, here's another uh, bit of bonus content that we're doing each week. Okay? Combined with, you and I figured out a way to do like home studios, so we're going to commit to more content as well. We are. Because I have you a mic stop going now. camping. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Unless you want to take take the thing with you. Oh, you wouldn't have had Wi-Fi, so we wouldn't oh, have been able to Oh, that's do the it. other thing. No yeah. cell service. Yeah. Oh, brutal. Yeah. 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 Okay, guests for episode 104, because we really should start. Uh, Rick Neuheisel is going to be on episode 104. We got to figure out what the hell's going on with college football. He's going to tell us exactly what's going to happen. Oh, great. Rick Neuheisel is connected, is better connected than anybody out there. He's going to say, here's what's going to happen. Here's what should happen. 
You're not going to like what he's going to say about Pac-12 football. Yeah. Rick Neuheisel, I'll just give it away, thinks there will be no Pac-12 football in the fall or the spring. Really? He thinks we're taking a year off of Pac- that the University of Washington's not going to play football for a year. Yep. That's, that's what he, he's going to tell you, and he's going to tell you why uh, in, the, uh, in the first guest segment. Second guest segment is Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks insider. You know, one, while you were camping, one full <laughs> week of Seahawks practices happened. He's going to give us the full report and tell us exactly what happened. Uh, also, Dr. Ali Nouri is going to be with us. He's the president of the Federation of American Scientists. Oh, my old job. American Airlines and United Airlines controversially this week announced that they're going to start reselling or selling again the middle seats. They had closed off middle seats oh. for a while. Highly controversial. Scientists like this guy are saying, no, 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 don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. You're going to ramp up the virus. Don't do that. Please leap the middle seat open. He's going to tell us how safe airline travel is these days whether he recommends you do it. He's going to talk about hotels and colleges and all kinds of good stuff or bad stuff as it pertains to COVID-19. Nice. I love it. Okay. Hotshot, I urge you and all of our listeners to always remember we don't go on with Mitch Unfiltered if it weren't for our terrific partners and our terrific sponsors. So I urge everybody to support them as well. Daniel's Broiler, Less Shy is open offering $40 bottles of Vuv Clicquot Champagne, regularly $145. South Lake Union Bellevue also open. Each is expanding their outside dining options, which is great. It's time to catch up on those celebrations that we missed. Daniel's Broiler World-Class Steakhouses. The Kirkland Office of Guild Mortgage. Call 425-250-3150. You will not believe the incredibly low interest rates and all the refinancing, borrowing, and buying that's going on right Right now, this is the silver lining in this pandemic. Rates in the mid to high twos on 30-year fixed loans. The Kirkland Office of Guild Mortgage and Jordan Flowers team. Evergreen Golf Call, another strong rally week on Wall Street. Tyler Hay will join us again on episode 104. He'll tell us even in times of a pandemic, there are opportunities out there. Who knows? Maybe even an existing NBA team might have its sight on Seattle. Check out the website evergreengk.com. Sign up for their fine newsletter, which is free. And Zeke's Pizza, all 17 locations are open. What happens when an employee tests positive for the virus? I think you'll very much appreciate President Dan Black's answer here on episode 104. Pizza growler straight to your door. Download the Zeke's Pizza app. Zeke's Pizza delivers homegrown in the Northwest. Here we go. Episode 104 begins right now. Unfiltered. From the beginning of this pandemic, from the draft, when everybody told him, don't do the draft. This yeah. is a bad look and it's it's unhealthy. We're doing the draft. And then they said, okay, free agency in the NFL starts. Everybody's losing their jobs all over the country. Our unemployment rates are going through the roof. We're waiting for our stimulus checks and NFL players are signing $100 million contracts. Don't do that. That's going to be a bad... We're doing free agency. <laughs> right. Unfiltered. Guests who are quote, known by the player only through social media or an intermediary and those without a quote established pre-existing personal and known relationship won't be allowed into the bubble. What this is, is translation no Instagram models allowed in the bubble. <laughs> That's- Mitch is unfiltered. 
Okay, now we're officially underway with episode 104. My name is Mitch, along with Grizzly Adams, <laughs> Hotshot Scott. Yes, I am Grizzly. Look at this. <laughs> I, I have to go to dinner with a, with a father-in-law tonight, too. Misha showered. I think I'm a real scumbag. Yeah, it'll, I did. It'll be the last shower for a couple of days, a couple of two, three days for you. But, but after, at least that, you showered. after that camping shower, you feel like you need another one, like five hours. Like like it didn't take all, it, you yeah. know, you need yeah. to go through the car wash again. Yeah. It didn't get it all off. Yeah. I listened to your interview with Apollo Ono twice, by the way, when Why? I was doing yard work. Because you didn't concentrate the first time. Episode 103, guest number one, yes. Federal Way, eight-time medal it. winner, <laughs> and the most decorated Winter Olympic athlete in United States history, Apollo Ono. Yes. He was saying a lot of good stuff, and I wanted to make sure I got it all. He yeah. was very forthcoming. and, and Incredible. He, wasn't he, though? And very yeah. honest. And he yeah. was a big talker. Very, very, very. The, the, the thing that kind of hit me, and I'm wondering if this hit you, too, and but maybe you didn't love radio like I did. It was just a way to make money, but... I was essentially washed up at 38. Radio said bye at 38 years old. I saw myself doing that my whole life. And at 38, I'm like, what now? That, that's all I wanted to be. It was, that's all I wanted to do was radio. And he, right. he sort of said the same thing. Like, right. It didn't well, even dawn on you, him for, that he well, wouldn't for do you, I don't know if we're talking about you or him, but for you, it probably was the type of radio that you did. Like if you would have gotten into news radio, now radio in, in and of itself is a dinosaur and that's another topic for a conversation. Yeah. Radio's out completely and it's all about podcasts now. But, that's right. But, but had you had, you had a, as a young guy gotten into like news radio, okay. I think you could have expected had you performed well and done okay to be around a lot longer. You got into a specific kind of young morning show yeah. that, was, that was geared towards really young uh, young people what men and women between the ages of two and six right yeah uh we targeted <laughs> we targeted 18 to 34 but we for some reason we're always number one in 25 and i may be wrong about this but you got yourself embroiled into a very successful fm aggressive morning show intended towards young people yeah i got myself and not 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 i don't know that i may have made a, a, a decision of this but i happen to get myself into a twenty-five fifty-four men, yeah, where you know at thirty-eight, let's say, I wouldn't have been washed up. Right, I probably was becoming washed up there at the end in my as I got to the fifties. But I think it was the type of radio. But your point is still the point. It was a profession like athletes and especially Olympic athletes where. Poof, it's done. Apollo, Ono and said, now the rest of your life is there. When he was young, someone said, "What do you want to do after after speed skating?" He's like, what are you talking? There, there is not going to be anything after. Like he couldn't even he couldn't even look down the road five years. He just thought he would do it his whole life, or you know, it's, it's crazy. And I kind of felt that way about radio. Like hey, I was just do this my whole life, and then I'll retire. I think one of my, many layers into the problem that these athletes have. A, and I'm not just talking about Olympic. Well, in this case, I'm talking about Olympic athletes. Olympic athletes. I just kind of feel like they live this really abnormal childhood. For sure. Yep. Where they're getting up, going to school, and every waking moment outside of school is training. And the typical social sleepovers and hangouts and yeah. going out with girls or going out with guys, just the typical growing up stuff, it feels like these Olympic athletes, they miss all of that. So you've got the two layers, right? You've got maybe socially awkward because they haven't learned to become social and you've got a career that ends with the snap of a fingers, you're done. Yeah. Now what else? Now what? And you don't get paid really to do it. So now you've got to have the rest of your life, you've got to be an earner the rest of your life, and you've got to fit in socially 
to a community at age 24, 25 when you didn't do the typical social stuff at age 12, 13, 14, 15. I, it's totally to me, under all the things he said and the and the director that we had on the P episode of The Weight of Gold that was on HBO, the docu- or the documentary, it's so easy to understand. It's not hard to contemplate right. why so many of those Olympic athletes are having huge problems. And it's not even like you get to strike while the iron's hot, you go make a billion dollars. No. He said he's winning world championships. He won 12 Gs. Yeah. Like, that's not even a year's salary no. for an adult. No. That's the crazy part that I, I didn't even know. I was like, well, you know, they're famous for a little bit. They put some money away. Right. No, you, you don't even well, get paid. In, in like Michael <laughs> Phelps's case, he probably made a lot of money. I okay. don't know. But still, look at him. Depression, right. alcoholism, suicidal. I mean, yeah, bad rough. stuff. Yeah. Really, really bad stuff. I really, I appreciate you bringing it up. I, I really... Um, Thought that that interview was good. I thought he was great. I think it's important. I think it's interesting. I think it's funny. I love the dancing with the stars, <laughs> how he's more known now. Right. And it drives him crazy. Yeah, yeah. People recognize him for dancing with the stars when he when he lived his whole, when he trained his whole life to become an Olympic athlete, <laughs> right. people know him as the dancing guy. It's funny. I think yeah, that's yeah. pretty funny. Anyway, Apollo Ono on episode 103. Couple of uh, emails to kick off episode 104. Dear Mitch, the Seahawks are idiots for allowing Everson Griffin to sign with the Cowboys for $6 million. He's a better pass rusher than Clowney, and they could have afforded that cost without having to cut players. Schneider blew it. Josh in Colorado Springs. Did you see that Everson Griffin was signed over the course of the week? The former Vikings, I think he was an eight sack guy last year, but has had a lot of sacks over the years. Yeah, he was great with the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, for, for years. a while there. Yeah, 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 yeah. What so, is, isn't he 34? What's his he's age? Old, he's older than, uh, than Clowney. Than Clowney, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And think- Clowney's better. First of all, Clowney's... I know that you look at sacks and you see eight versus three, but Clowney's a better player. He's a disruptor. Clowney is a better football player all yeah. around than Everson Griffin, so I wouldn't go there. Just, I mean... Clowney's considered one of the best defensive linemen against the run in the NFL. Right. Um, and I think he puts more heat on the quarterback than his sacks show, but I get it. Or at least he draws I a get double it. team. I would have liked to have yeah. seen Everson Griffin for one year, six million bucks. Well. Doesn't seem like a lot of money for eight, eight or ten sacks. How high would you have gone for him for one well, year? Well, it looks like I could have gone to seven. All I had to do was go to seven. Yeah. I don't know. If you're the Seahawks, you spend seven on him. Yeah, you're going to hear Brady Henderson, the ESPN insider for the Seahawks, and I don't want to give it away, but he's the second. He's the second interview segment. He's going to say um, that the Seahawks think their pass rush right now is a lot better than all of us think it is. Uh, okay, they're much more encouraged with what they've got right now than the rest of us are. Let's hope they're right and we're wrong. Did I see Jaron Reed get dinged up over the weekend? Dinged up over the weekend. Nothing, I don't think, serious. Also, Puna Ford is hurt, right? All right. Uh, Dear Mitch, your interview with Apollo Ono has to move into the unfiltered top five, maybe three. Wow. His honesty is courageous, and energy trying to help others is uplifting. Plus, I love the story about being recognized as the dancing with the stars guy. Well done, Chris in Anchorage. Dear Mitch. Anchorage and Colorado Springs. Yeah, there you go. Dear Mitch. And now you get uh, Fife. You go from Anchorage to Colorado. Yeah. Mitch, who is this guy I see on Twitter going to Leavenworth rafting, Whidbey Island crabbing and tubing? No saying you hang out under your desk anymore. Are we about to hear that Washington State Tourism has joined as a sponsor? (laughs) There's a shot. There's a shot. The only reason I'm doing that is because Washington State Tourism has joined as a sponsor. (laughs) Um, I need to get the name of your therapist. 
Steve in Fife, Washington. Yeah, you are. You are participating in life more. It's great. Uh, I don't know what's what's going on. What what do you have next? What's what's uh, it's up my sleeve. Up. I can't tell you. Oh, okay. But it's something very dramatic. I'm sure it I'm is. I'm going camping at Lake Cachise. <laughs> right. Uh, and finally, hey, Mitch, both my dad and I are big fans of you and your podcast. It's his birthday tomorrow, the 16th, which is the day we're recording this, August 16th, Sunday. And it would absolutely make his day and would be all he needed if you shouted out to him on Twitter or on the podcast, a happy birthday. His name is Sean Joyner, and he'll be turning 44 on Sunday. Have a good one. I don't know what this guy thinks we are, okay? <laughs> what am I, some sort of a birthday Is this podcast yeah. a birthday agram? Shout out. I, I absolutely refuse to wish Sean Joyner a happy 44th. I'm not doing it. So don't even ask me to do it, it's and I and style. I don't really appreciate being treated like I'm some sort of a telegram guy. Right? Is that what I am? Yeah, that's exactly what you've been you've been uh, relegated <laughs> to now. You're just a telegram. Did guy. you when you were in radio, or did Rob when every radio? I used to get it every once in a while. Hey, Mitch, would you swing by my my brother's party? He's turning 24, and I'd love for you to say happy birthday. <laughs> you ever get those things? Well, I used to get that from time to time and go. Did you ever do it? No. Well, no, you would, you I don't have... think so. Oh, you know what I once did? I think I, a couple times I got on the phone with people okay. for, their, for their birthday. But yeah, everyone... You never showed up? No, you, I don't You think would I have did. made their day. They would have loved it. That would have been I nice I was under the you. desk. I wasn't going to Lake Wenatchee back, back <laughs> then. Or River, the Wenatchee River or whatever it's called. Lake Wenatchee. <laughs> Lake Wenatchee. <laughs> there might be a Lake Wenatchee. I don't know. No, uh, T-Man didn't show his face, if you remember correctly. Uh, yeah. So he definitely wasn't going to people's homes or anything. Okay, so, so no. I didn't show my face either. No. Well, you tried not to, but he legit <laughs> didn't show his face. So he ain't showing. He, he didn't do appearances. No, 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 we didn't get any of that. None of that stuff. That was a great little shtick he had to get out of doing appearances. It was brilliant. Yeah, he, he didn't. Why do Why couldn't I come up with that? <laughs> I was there ten years. He didn't do one appearance, not one. But you could have been asked. Hey, hot shot. Hey, would you swing by and and tell Kelly Joe happy birthday? She's twenty three and she likes you. Would oh, you? well, now we're talking. <laughs> 23 and likes me. I'm in. <laughs> all right. The big news over the course of the week before we get to the three interviews. And I think the three interviews, I've done them all. I think the three interviews are really good. I say that every week. So I guess I'm a boy crying wolf. <laughs> but I think you'll enjoy. Um, I really think Ali Nouri is really good. Dr. Ali Nouri, the third interview, the president of the, what I say, the American Federation of Scientists. Yeah. He has a really nice way of describing what he likes about planes, what he doesn't like about planes, what he likes about airports, what he doesn't like about airports. He just okay. has a nice way of explaining things that don't go over your head. I think you'll like that. And, of course, Brady Henderson has plenty to say about Jamal Adams in the first week of the Seahawks uh, practices. And who did I say the first? Rick Neuheisel on all the yep. stuff in college football. Anyway, before we get to those, I think at least – and then we'll do the other stuff segment. We've got a whole bunch of other stuff. But Kima Siverand – and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. I apologize to Kima and his family if I'm not, because <laughs> I know they're big patrons. Yes. I think the story of Kima Siverand needs to be discussed on segment one of episode 104. It's awesome. Uh, it's it, You're aware of this. Did yeah. this happen while you were camping or before you went? I think it happened right before. Can we assume that everybody knows what we're talking about or should we just, should we explain? Maybe explain a little bit because his name's not, not a household name. It's not really hard to explain. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he was an undrafted free agent, just a, an undrafted guy yeah. trying to make the team Seahawks, sneaking a female into their team hotel. 
He tried to dress her up like she looked like a member of the organization to try to sneak her in. He was found out. Of course, that's against all protocol when it comes to COVID-19. Pete Carroll, John Schneider found out. Boom, he was cut the next day. Gone. See ya. They've not commented about it. They've been asked about it. They're not going to comment about it. I reached out to him. I actually got a hold of him. Oh, wow. And I said, hey, our, our show, our podcast is a platform for you to tell your side of the story. Uh, I'm not, I'm the last guy that's going to be judgmental. So if you wanted to, and he wrote back, I, I would, but my agent has asked me not to speak about it. Oh. So he, that's why he's not on the show. So there you go. The age old sneaking girls into the team hotel, <laughs> but in the COVID-19 era, that's a, a bigger transgression than that's in right. previous years. That's different than just breaking a curfew right. rule. That's we're potentially putting people's lives oh, well, So what were you thinking risk. when you heard about the story? Well, I read that, man, maybe I didn't read it right, that he right. tried to dress her up as a player, not was it a player? I just heard that. Lots I just of heard that, gear, lots I of Seahawks gear. Yeah. yeah, so that surveillance cameras wouldn't uh, pick anything up. If you're an yeah. undrafted free agent, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to to, to eat. You're trying to make this team. Yeah. You got to be careful with that stuff. I mean, you just you got to be careful. But here's the question: What yeah. if Russell? Now Russell's about. What if Russell was sneaking in his well, wife? <laughs> Would, would, would he be cut the next oh, day? okay. See, <laughs> Russell s- sneaking in Sierra is a different thing that I tweeted out, which I can bring up. I tried to come up with names. I don't even know if these guys are single or not. I didn't want to say if, if, if it was Russell Wilson, uh, Bobby Wagner. For all I know, those guys are married. Yeah, who knows? So what I said was, if the last name of the guy was not Siverand, and it was Griffin or Diggs yeah. or Jamal Adams. <laughs> yeah. Would he be cut today? That's right. That's the first thing I thought And the answer that I gave on Twitter is if it were one of those three guys, and this goes back to an old Jimmy Johnson story that I can tell you about. If it were one of those three guys, Pete would have opened the door for her, taken her temperature, supplied her with a Seahawks mask, (laughs) and said, come on in. Yes. So it really depends on who is getting caught with the girl in this case, right? Yes. There's no thing I thought of. Jamal and that's Adams just the way is, the life is. He's getting cut? No. He's no. getting cut, Jamal Adams. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Jamal Adams is, hey, nice to meet you. you yeah, know, exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a different story. I kind of feel sorry for this guy. You, you do? Know? Well, yeah. yeah. Come on. How many years? They've been doing this for since since training camp started, right? Sneaking girls. In. Sneaking yeah. girls. In. I mean, this guy's trying to, he's fighting for his life, trying to make a team. I hope, I hope somebody... Gives him another shot. Yeah, don't give up on the kid. The kid, he's 23 or whatever, I but think don't it give was, up on him. I think it was Hugh Millen who once told a story, and I'm going to butcher this, so if anybody's listening, please don't tell Hugh. I'm going to probably butcher it because I don't remember exactly. But there was a story about Jimmy Johnson when Hugh was with the Cowboys, and Jimmy Johnson had that whole group. Yeah. And the first week of training camp, they were in a meeting, and one of the guys, an undrafted free agent, like had his head down or was dozing or whatever. Oh, boy. And... He cut him, like, right there and then. He said, get out, you're cut. And somebody asked Jimmy Johnson, what if it were Emmett Smith who were dozing? Yeah. And Johnson's answer was, I would have whispered, it's time to get up, Emmett. <laughs> exactly right. That's all you have to know, right? <laughs> that's just the way of the, yeah, that's the, way of the world, it right? It really is. Well, yep. That's a bummer for him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Well, oh, well. Uh, lots of other stuff to get to. We'll do the three segments of interviews and then other stuff with Hot Shot Scott. This is episode 104. Time to visit with our old friend Lindsay Schwartz, the CEO of Daniel's Broiler World Class Steakhouses. Lindsay, what's up with Daniel's Broiler these days? 
Well, we're uh, we're out there fighting the good fight. We've got three restaurants open, as we've discussed before. We're taking advantage of this beautiful weather that we're seeing in the Seattle area right now. We've added as many outside seats as we could at all the restaurants. If you come to Daniel's Lesha, you'll see we've added a completely new patio on the front side. And at Daniel's Lake Union, we have a new patio on the lower floor. So uh, lots of great options to sit outside. Lindsay, people wouldn't ordinarily think of Daniel's Broiler for takeout and delivery, and we should discuss that a little bit more. The other night, we were at our little yacht club area of our neighborhood, and they were carrying their Daniel's Broiler packages from the Leshy location. This is something you're doing more and more of. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, we're not a pizza delivery restaurant, but there, there's a couple, I think, really great ways to enjoy us. Obviously, what we're known for is a celebration kind of a place. And, and now with, uh, if people are more comfortable celebrating at home, then everything on our menu is available for takeout or delivery. We've got great packaging to preserve the quality. So there's still lots of reasons for, for celebrations, birthdays, anniversaries, and uh, that's a great way to do it. And then we also have some great, what would have been more on our bar menus in the past, burgers and fish sandwiches and fries and clam chowder. And so, you know, just for casual, there's lots of great to-go and delivery options. There he is, Lindsay Schwartz, Daniel's Broiler for 40 years, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. Many of these campuses are inviting students back. They're going to be in on-campus housing. How are you protecting them from COVID-19 any more than you can be protecting your football team, uh, given all the protocols and all the testing numbers that seem so positive? Jim Harbaugh gave out a list of uh, his numbers. Uh, we had Lance Leipold on, the head coach at Buffalo. Of course, the MAC has decided not to play. He said 662 tests, three positives. I means th- those numbers seem reasonable, uh, but it, it, again, it, it, it's all your, your risk tolerance. Episode 104, and this whole college football thing is just too complicated for me to understand. Let me see if I've got it right. The Pac-12 is out. The Big 12 is going to play. The Big 10 is out, but Justin Fields has spearheaded a player's petition to play. The SEC and ACC want to play maybe our friend rick neuheisel can make heads or tails of this whole mess hey rick how are you mitch uh let me see if i can help you out here and yet you left out that the iowa parents want to play (laughs) (laughs) i'm not sure what sort of eligibility they have but they have weighed in as well and decided that they uh want their sons to have the opportunity to play it is a convoluted mess and i think we've you know we've been saying that since uh in the middle of March, when Rudy Gobert tested positive yeah. and the world stopped, at least the sporting world stopped. College football had been hoping that this could go forward. The presidents in both the Big Ten and Pac-12 have uh, basically has, has been the option for all student-athletes. They have opted out. They have just said that we're not going to play. The risk is too much. Uh, they saw some uh, medical information that uh, pointed to potential heart complications, myocarditis. They just said, we, we, we're not going to go any further. And if you think about it in a long-term sense, there really isn't a loser. There isn't a loser card in what the Big Ten and Pac-12 have done. That if, if it blows up 
in those conferences that have decided to play and it blows up and they can't go forward and there are spikes because students are returning to campus, you're, you're sitting there saying, we were right. We did exactly the right thing. And even if it goes forward and everybody plays and plays health uh, in a healthy fashion, they're going to say we were overly cautious on the side of health. And that can play well, too. And okay. I think that's it's a risk adverse position. And uh, all the presidents in those two respective conferences, as well as the MAC and the Mountain West from the group of five, I think they're comfortable in that position. There's a little bit of some, you know, some conspiracy theorists out there that think that this has to do with some other stuff, you know, whether it be player movements. You know, we had the uh, hashtag We Are United movement in the Pac-12, hashtag Big Ten Players Association uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, the Mountain West had some activity in that regard as well. And some people think that has to do with it. There are those who say these are going along political lines, blue states, red states. And who knows what actually is the case. But at the end of the day, Mitch, this is about risk and who's willing to assume it and who is willing to uh, who's unwilling to assume it and, and basically stay on the side. Let me let me play devil's advocate with you if you'll allow me to. You said sure. that you said that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are going to be safe no matter what happens, whether there's a breakout or whether they play fall football and they sit out and watch a, a very smooth season. Let me take that point on. If if the second, if the latter of those two things happen. Aren't they kind of in a sticky position? Because now we haven't played in the fall. We're going to try to play in the spring, but now we're going to put our players perhaps in harm's way by trying to play a spring followed by a fall 2021 season too close together. And had we played in fall all along and had the the, the smooth season that everybody else had, we wouldn't be in this situation, Rick. Totally understand your point. I'm just putting myself in the role of a coach sitting in a living room recruiting a young man because at the end of the day, life will go on and hopefully football returns in a normal way and fashion. And if I'm sitting in a living room and I'm explaining why my particular conference, why my particular school didn't go forward, if I can use the excuse, and the excuse is probably a poor term, the narrative yeah. that, hey, your son's health was too important to us. We had information that said that this was a risk. Now, maybe the information didn't play itself out, but given what we knew at the time, that this was the most prudent thing to do. And we're going to make that mistake again if your son is coming to our school because your son's uh, health, safety, and wellness is too important. That, to me, is a defensible position. Now, you and I are on the same page for a couple of reasons. We're on the same page in that well, how in the heck can Bob Bowlesby, Greg Sankey, and John Swafford, those three power five commissioners, be not looking at the same health data that Larry Scott and Kevin Warren were looking at and, and come to the same conclusion. That, that it was a little bit bizarre. How in the heck can the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, literally in the Big Ten's case, release a schedule with all sorts of flexibility six days prior mm -hmm. to releasing the news that they were, they were canceling Christmas? How can they have six days before release the schedule and, and lauded its flexibility in the case of spiking and all that stuff what new data did they have and in the and then the final point is how in the heck can they guarantee these kids safety when they're all welcoming back thousands and thousands of students 
back to their respective campuses. That, to me, is a little bit of a conundrum for the university president today. Okay. It sounds to me, as I listen to your voice, now we're sitting here on a Sunday recording for a Monday release of 104, and these things are fluid, so things could change overnight. But it, it feels like that Rick Neuheisel believes that college football fans like you and me We're going to have a football season in the fall and we're going to have a football season in the spring at the same time as college basketball season. We're going to see major college football in both places. How is that going to look? When do we decide who the national champion is and or don't we care about any of this? And I'm just if that happens, how does that work? I let, let me clarify my position. My position is I think we're going to get college football off the ground. I'm waiting to see if these campuses that are returning students as we speak, right? There are kids traveling to, right. to all over the country right now with right. mom and dad to right. move into their new dorm room, right. Right? right? They may have a mask on, but they're going to be with another, you know, 19,000 students that are, that are coming with them, right? right? And right. I'm waiting to see if that, that is a sustainable environment. I have my doubts. And whether or not the quasi-bubbles that have been built in the ACC, and by the way, the ACC, it was just revealed last week that they didn't have standardized testing amongst the 15 schools that are going to compete for the title there. And that has to change. John Swafford cannot allow Syracuse to have a different protocol than uh, Pitt, to have a different protocol than Florida State. That, That is an unsustainable position. Can't happen. So that's all got to get fixed. I'm waiting to see all that. But if they can get their seasons off the ground, I believe the players are committed enough to have a quasi-bubble and to do what we're watching in the NBA and the NHL and and have a season. That being said, I am less than 50% optimistic that we're going to have a spring season because of what you just said. We're using using health, safety, and wellness as the reason to opt out of, uh, of the fall, at least from those conferences that have made that decision. And now we're going to start talking about playing in the spring and then backing that up into the fall of 2021 and maybe reducing games there when the other conferences are going to be playing full schedules. That, to me, is going to be a hard position, especially when you start to see all the seniors opting out, trying to get to that NFL, because the NFL is an unwilling partner to, at least at this time, to change their schedule. Uh So you're going to see a bunch of people saying, I want to go to the Combine. I I think spring football is a pipe dream right now for these conferences. I think it's, it's a, it's a nice thing to think about. It keeps players maybe at bay for at least the time being. So they're not sitting there wondering about maybe should I transfer to a school that is going to play? And it, it appeases some coaches who have been disgruntled. Scott Frost comes to mind. Yeah. You know, it, it's a nice position, but I think at day's end, it's going to have too many complications in, in, in where you're talking out of one side of your mouth, health, safety, and wellness. And, it wasn't so long ago we were talking about concussions and CTE. To me, I think that's going to be a, uh, a sidebar. Wow. I think maybe two or three games, maybe some exhibition games, no national championship at all. That will be decided this fall if these conferences, in fact, can play. I, uh, I think people are just going to point towards 2021 and let's get a do-over. So no Pac-12 football for a year, no Big 12 football. They're all going to forego big numbers in terms of dollars and cents to these athletic programs. That's my guess. I'm less optimistic about spring football than I am about the SEC, ACC, Big Uh, 12, 
getting this season off the ground. Let me ask you this. Did I read somewhere, and Rick Neuheisel is our guest on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline, did I read somewhere that you were hearing talk of a handful of Big Ten teams trying to join up with a conference that is playing in the fall for one season? Did I hear that right? Well, let me preface by saying, you know, the world of college football coaches is two degrees of separation rather than what the normal human race is at six. Okay. But, uh, yeah, there was, there was a lot of scuttlebutt over a weekend that Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, and Nebraska, on news that the Big Ten was going to cancel their season, were looking for places to play. And we're in conversations with the Big 12. Now, none of that is confirmed. None of that is confirmed at all. But Scott Frost was clearly adamant about wanting to play someplace else. So it it left open the possibility, and a number of people, Desmond Howard included, said, you know, get their tails out out of the Big Ten if if they're not happy to be here and aren't going to fall in line. And and quickly the the brass at Nebraska said, no, 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 we're very happy with our $45 that comes with the uh, television package in the Big Ten. We're we're good. But, uh, no, I think there's a bunch of teams that are not in quote-unquote hot spots, Mitch, yeah. that would love to play. And I'm for allowing them. Listen, no one can show me how they're going to keep their students safe as they're coming back to campus. As a, as a, a matter of fact, Michigan State was reported they were going to have intramurals. I mean, holy smokes. Oklahoma, have intramurals. Oklahoma sent their kids home for a little break, Lincoln Riley did, and then they came back and nine of them tested positive, right? Yes, they're safer in, within these quasi-bubbles that have right. been built. Right for this particular circumstance. Listen, there's no place we can say that they're 100% safe. If this were a concussion issue, then we'd be saying, well, if they don't play, there's much less chance of concussion. Sure, sure. By not playing, we're not saying there's much less chance of contraction of COVID. We're just not. And especially when these presidents are talking one side of their mouth, we're going to health, safety, and wellness the heck out of these guys and say no to their football dreams. But we're welcoming upwards of 20,000 students back to campus because that's the ecosystem of the of the college uh, uh, system. I mean, they have they have to be sustainable. Well, the same can be true about college football in terms of the athletic departments, because college football pays for everything. And in another crazy twist, the Big Ten commissioner's son is going to play this yeah. year, right? The Big Ten commissioner. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, 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 you, you, so be careful of what you wish for. Kevin Warren was going along swimmingly. He was a well-thought-of executive, you know, high on the totem pole with the Minnesota Vikings. And the Big Ten comes calling and said, we want you to be commissioner. Hey, that sounds like a heck of a job. <laughs> <laughs> and you come into this where you got Jim Harbaugh yelling at you, uh, Scott Frost yelling at you, James Franklin yelling at you, Ryan Day yelling at you. You've got a bunch of presidents saying, are you crazy? You know, uh, both the presidents of Michigan and Michigan State are doctors, learned professionals in health care. You can't do this. And he's up there going, wait a minute, my kid's going to play down here. And don't, Holy don't, don't forget, you know what else he's got? He's got Captain Khaki Pants accusing the Ohio State coaches of uh, – improperly instructing their players on the field during a, a part of the year. They're not supposed to be yeah. doing that, right? As Monty Python would say, flesh wound. <laughs> flesh wound. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Gosh. It's uh, it's a crazy time. But, uh, 
it, it will be fascinating to watch as it goes forward. But really, the correction that's going to take place in the world of college athletics based on the revenue that's being left at the altar here, starting with what happened in the basketball tournament, now heading to the college football season, at least for the Big Ten and the, uh, and the Pac-12, is going to be, uh, you know, there, there are going to be reverberations felt yeah. for years and years to come, sort of like aftershocks of, of earthquakes. But uh, the ecosystems that have existed high on the hog based on the, uh, the unbelievable bullish run that college football has been on as a love affair with television, yeah. that's, that's going to come to a screeching halt yeah. here rather quickly. Well, speaking of television and Rick Neuheisel, do we see you on CBS? Uh, what's the plan? And did I read or did I see somewhere that there was a, a yelling match amongst SEC coaches about the two extra games? Oh, uh, yeah. That SEC, now, how, now, they're figure, now, how they're Rick, figuring that out, right? On the second point, as a matter of fact, we're hearing that Vanderbilt has a number of players opting out whether it's for COVID reasons or for the fact that LSU got added to their schedule. <laughs> but if you look, but, but if you, if you look at Vanderbilt's uh, and a lot of the, what would have been considered second division schools in the sec, yeah. they got absolutely beaten up with who they're going to play. Oh. Absolutely beaten up with who they're going to who play. Who decided where, that? You know, how, was that the, how was that decided? The, well, obviously they got on a uh, they got on a Zoom call like everybody's doing today, and they basically said, you're going to play these, and everybody started going, wait a minute. Alabama's taking on Kentucky and Missouri? What happened? Because it was rumored that they were going to play Florida. Mm-hmm. And, and Steve Spurrier told me it's incredible how few times Alabama has actually been to the swamp, despite the fact that they've both been in the SEC – forever i think it's like three times well just know that i'm going to want to visit with rick neuheisel whether there's games played or not we want to hear from our friend rick neuheisel and i wish you and uh, your family the best and i i i know i i want college football but i want the kids and maybe even more importantly than the kids i don't want the kids to get infected and then bring it to older people right. and then have deaths that way yeah. I mean, i'm just worried about all that stuff we all want our cake and eat it too if there were a way to say that the kids would be 100 percent safe without playing football i think we'd all sign as difficult as it would be yeah but i'm not sure that we can do that and if these quasi bubbles that have been built on campuses and some better than others we've got to standardize that but if we can get a protocol where these kids stay safe like the nba players like the uh the hockey players then i think that it's prudent to go forward and uh, let the kids do what they love to do uh, let me leave you with this yep so cbs because of all the shenanigans with uh scheduling and not knowing what to do when not to do it new york being, uh, you know, in some measure of quarantine, people having to go there for 14 days if you're from certain states. We have now a in-home studio in, <laughs> here in Arizona. And this studio, which, you know, thought to be maybe the corner of this room, has now taken over the entire family room. My wife sent a video to her, all of her friends and to a woman, to a woman sent back, O-M-G. From the number of exclamation points from three to eight. That's all I'm telling you. <laughs> well, if you're going to bring that up on our podcast, then you are now responsible for taking a picture 
sending it to me by text, and I'm going to uh, send it out on social media so people can see what you're talking about. Send me a couple of pictures I, I, of the new Heisel home. I will, I, I'm going to send you the video, the video okay. with the panning, because it, <laughs> it takes a video to see this entire thing. It's on its way. Forthcoming, my uh, friend. Forthcoming. The great Rick Neuheisel. Thank you, Rick. Stay safe. I'll do it, Mitch. All the best, baby. My guy, Rick Neuheisel, sounding a lot like a man who thinks the Washington Huskies and the rest of the Pac-12 teams might very well not play meaningful football again until like late August 2021. Such a great time of year for us sports fans just decimated by this coronavirus pandemic. Great to visit again with Jordan Flowers, the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. And I have to say, I've been trying to get Jordan out on the golf course for the last several days, weeks, but every time I ask, he tells me, I go to work at 5, I come back at like 11 o'clock, I have no time because I'm so super busy doing refinances. Here he is, so the only way I get a chance to talk to him is right here on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Jordan? Yeah, hey Mitch, it's good to talk to you, buddy. Tell me what it is that you're doing from 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. that you can't get on the golf course with your buddy Mitch Levy. <laughs> well, uh, as everybody's reading in the news, incredibly low interest rates right now. Rates are at all-time lows. Refinances are through the roof. Volumes are spiking to record levels. And, I mean, we've got purchases and people buying homes left and right right now. Tell me more about the numbers. I know it somewhat depends on the applicant and credit rating and everything else, but give us a broad sense of why things are so crazy, busy, and at least good in your world, and why people are racing to refinance and to buy. Yeah, I mean, with your with your purchases, you're finding rates anywhere between two and a half to three percent on thirty-year fixed mortgages, and on refinances, you're pretty much in the same realm, depending on your loan value, credit scores, equity position. So, you're looking at rates mid twos to high twos right now wow. so everybody's saving hundreds of dollars a month okay so they call you at what number and how long does that conversation need to be before they get off the phone and they have something to consider of whether they want to go through this process so the office line my direct line is 425-250-3145 and my cell phone is 425 890 2957. It's a call that's no more than about five to seven minutes to get an overall understanding of um, where you're at currently in your mortgage, what the rates are, what your rate currently is, and what uh, your monthly payment is. And we'd run a couple numbers and you're on your way. It's five to seven minutes to get the basic information going and decide if it's worth your time to move forward. There he is, Jordan Flowers, the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage. Unfiltered. It's an important first day. Uh, this is the first time we get everybody on the field at the same time, uh, working together, helmets on, the whole thing. It starts to feel like football a little bit. Everybody's really anxious and excited and raring to go. Everybody, we all love this game so much, and we've been having to wait in forever. And so guys are thrilled to be out here working, and it was a great first day for us. And uh, the build-up to it has worked quite well. You know, we've stuck right with the regimen of, of uh, the ramp-up, and, and it seems like it's, um, it's, it's been okay for these guys. Well, a week's worth of Seahawks practices have now come and gone. Obviously, no fans, limited media, lots of testing. That's where ESPN Seahawks insider Brady Henderson helps us out, and he comes in to Mitch Unfiltered on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Brady, how's it been out there? You know what? It's been it's been different, I think, in a couple ways. You just don't see them 
doing certain things that they would be doing. You can tell all of the protocols that they have in place to try to get through this season amid a pandemic. But aside from that, you know, the football kind of seems the same. It, it's, it's probably looked more like an OTA than it would a normal training camp practice at this time of the year just because they are trying to make up for, you know, all of that lost time. And they're, they're trying to ease their way back into it because they would have already had those OTA and minicamp reps under their belt. And so they have yet to put on pads, uh, just helmets so far. So the football has looked a little bit different. And, uh, and so has just some of the protocols that they have in place to try to make it through the season. How's the cotton swabs to the schnoz going? Are you getting tested? And is it that type of test or some other type of test? It, it is that type of test. And the way it works is basically in order to watch practice, say, on a Tuesday and to be the, the certain status that allows us to go on the field and be, you know, within a, you know, 10 feet or so of the players and to work in the media room before and after practice, we have to go get tested on Monday. So it's the, you get tested for the day, for the next day, basically. And uh, it's actually, I will say this, I, I got one of the tests a couple months ago, uh, and it was one of those tests where they jam it all the way up <laughs> into your nasal passage, and it's one of the more uncomfortable things. It was one of the more uncomfortable things I've ever experienced. Yeah. This is a lot easier. It's just the nasal swab right in your nostril, so they don't go nearly as far, thankfully. All right, before we get into talking a little bit about what you've noticed and what you've seen, I think we should begin with the ground rules. Tell our audience, you guys are not allowed to share some of what you see, otherwise Mount Dave Pearson will erupt, and we don't, that's never a pretty sight, right? What are you allowed to say, and what are you, what are you not supposed to say? Yeah, exactly. So we are, we are not allowed to, to really detail what happens uh, after the first hour of practice. And that's, I think for the first hour, they have their live stream going on. And so I think they figured that, you know, anything that we might tweet out during that time or talk about on a podcast, people would be able to see anyways. But after that, so usually for so far, what's been the final 30, 45 minutes or so of practice, we're not able to, to tell you what happened. So if Jordan Brooks, for example, made a really nice play uh, on a screen pass uh, and looked incredibly fast, uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you that. I would maybe be, you know, I would maybe try to hint at that like I just <laughs> did, but I wouldn't be able to spell it out like that. So uh, those are kind of the rules that we're working with. Well, I'm glad to know that you would not be able to tell me that the first round pick of the Seahawks made a great play in a screen pass. If he did, you wouldn't be able to tell me. I'm, I'm glad I'm I'm glad to know that. So let's let's talk about where all eyes, you know, obviously eyes are focused on Russell Wilson whenever he moves about there at the VMAC. But this year there's a new face. There's a new name. He's maybe the best safety in the game. So let's begin with Jamal Adams. Any more information on how they feel about him, what it was that they love so much about him, and they were willing to give up a hell of a package of picks, Brady. Yeah, I mean, I think we all know about the talent, right? You know, two Pro Bowls and one uh, All-Pro nod in his first three seasons. And just a quick aside on that, you know, talking to people in the building, you know, one person told me that they they think he's a better player than both Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas, which wow. stands out because wow. you're talking about Thomas as a potential Hall of Fame guy. So just the, the talent is first and foremost. But, you know, another piece of that, a, a big piece from what I understand is – they feel like they needed that personality type back in their locker room. And I say back in their locker room because those early, you know, those 2013, 2014 Super Bowl teams, 
Yeah, you had those big alpha male, strong, you know, personality, just ass kicker type guys all throughout those rosters, and you obviously saw the upside there. You know, I think towards the later years, they also saw, you know, that personality type that kind of cuts both ways, and they saw the downside of that, you know, with just the way that they had those messy divorces from some of those guys, namely Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, and they think that they have been missing that type of personality type. And you know, if you go back a few years, it's really not not hard to pinpoint kind of why that happened, why that shift happened, and also the timeline of when that happened. And, and I would go back to the 2016 season. Remember, that was the year that Richard Sherman had the sideline outburst a couple yeah. times that season. I yeah. think one was towards Daryl Bevel. The other was towards Chris Richard. Remember that, that next offseason, the 2017 offseason, he wanted to be traded. The Seahawks very publicly dangled him uh, in trade talks. And look at who they drafted that year, 2017. It was three defensive backs, Tedrick Thompson, Shaquille Griffin, uh, and Lano Hill. Well, I don't think it's coincidence that all three of those guys are really nice, easygoing guys, you know, not the types of guys that are uh, going to be a headache. I, don't, I, I think that was part of the evaluation. And, you know, that's not to say that that's the reason why it didn't work out for Tedrick Thompson here, why Lano Hill hasn't been, you know, much more than a backup and special teams guy. I mean, Griffin – He's that same type of personality, and, and it's worked out pretty well with him. But the larger point is that they feel like they went away from that strong personality type, and their locker room has been missing that, and they feel like Adams helps restore some of that. You would think he would be here for a long time when you consider what they paid to get him, but there doesn't seem to be a rush to get him an extension, Brady. Why do you think? Yeah, that, that's my understanding. From what I've been told, uh, they do not plan on, on extending him this year. So you'd probably be looking at uh, early next offseason. You know, maybe they could do it uh, in December, you know, late in the year, but, but not, not right away. And um, there's a couple factors there. One is just the, the pure financial aspect of it when you're talking about uh, not knowing what the NFL salary cap is going to be like next year. Remember, they, they, we know what the floor is going to be, I believe, $175 million, but they don't know exactly what it's going to look like. You know, there's all the, the revenue shortfalls because of the pandemic, and that is going to, you know, that's already taking a, a, a big hit out of future salary caps. And so, you know, when you're talking about what is likely to be or what is bound to be a very big expense, and you already have a pretty top-heavy roster construction with Russell Wilson at $35 million, Bobby Wagner at $18 million. Um, I just think they – or, in fact, I know that they want to have a much better idea of what that salary cap is going to look like before they commit just a, a ton of money to Jamal Adams. That's one part of it. The other part of it is, from what I understand, there is a little bit of scar tissue from the Percy Harvin debacle from 2013. And remember, they traded for him and they paid him before he had, you know, that was part of the deal to acquire him was they gave him a new contract right away. And they did that without really knowing who Percy Harvin was. They, they, all they learned about him was whatever they could gather just in the time that they were trying to trade for him. And so, you know, they obviously realized the downside of that. And, and that's not to say, look, nobody, nobody in the organization worries that Jamal Adams is going to go, you know, start doling out black eyes like Percy Harvin was. Like, it's not, it's not like that. The point is you really want to get to know a guy before you pay him a lot of money, and uh, they want to do that. And another piece of that is that, you know, when, when Harvin got that big deal before ever playing it down for the Seahawks, you know, that rubbed a lot of people in that locker room the wrong way, specifically a lot of people 
in that wide receiver core, the Doug Baldwin and Percy Harvin guys like, or I'm sorry, Doug Baldwin and, and Golden Tate guys who had already been there, who had mm-hmm. played for the Seahawks, who had helped them win a lot of games right. and had not gotten paid. So the danger of paying Adams right now or anybody like that is that what kind of message does that send to Chris Carson or uh, Shaquille Griffin, something like that. So for all those reasons, that, that's why you're going to see them. Uh, you're not going to see them give him a deal right away. Certainly, though, when you trade two first-round picks and then some for a guy, you're doing it with an eye towards eventually paying him. It's just not going to happen right away. You mentioned Shaquille Griffin. And by the way, this is Brady Henderson, Seahawks insider for ESPN. Follow him on Twitter. Does just a fabulous job. And this is the time of year where you got to watch every word that this guy writes. Uh, you mentioned Shaq Griffin. He's fast approaching free agency, Brady. Uh, much improved last year from the year previous. Personally, I'm still not sure the caliber of corner that he is. What about a new con- – are they going to let this go right to the very end, let this uh, let this year play out, or what's going to happen? That Yeah, that has been my impression. I, I have not heard that directly, but that has just been my impression from conversations I've had. Part of it I'm, you know, probably is, is along the lines of the, you know, the, the same financial reservations that they have with Adams is you, know, you maybe want to have a better idea of the salary cap before you commit a lot of money to Shaquille Griffin too. And I think from the Seahawks' standpoint – you probably he probably also want to see if he can take the ball away, uh, which he has not been able to do. You know, three interceptions in three seasons. He's done everything else well. In fact, you know, had a Pro Bowl caliber season last year. Made the Pro Bowl as an alternate. Uh, really transformed his body uh, with the help of a personal chef and, and had that breakout type year. But three interceptions in three seasons. You know, it would be hard to justify paying him a ton of money. The top of the cornerback market is fourteen, fifteen, sixteen million dollars. And if I'm Shaquille Griffin, I would look at that and say, okay, well, I'm not in position to make that money right now with three interceptions on my resume, but what kind of season might I have in 2020 when I'm playing in a better secondary with at least a little bit better pass rush in front of me that's going to make life easier, or in theory could make life easier on a defensive back. He's on this you know, upward trajectory, had that down season in 2018, again, made the Pro Bowl as an alternate last year. So if I'm yeah. Shaquille Griffin, and if the Seahawks, you know, unless the Seahawks are offering me $12, $13 million, you know, in that case, I'm taking the bird in the hand. But realistically, I've got to be thinking that I'm going to put myself in a much better position to cash in after this season than I would be right now. Reports that the Seahawks were involved with Everson Griffin before he was signed by the Cowboys, Brady. One year, six million bucks. What do you make of that? And what does it mean moving forward? Clay Matthews, Jadevian Clowney, or nobody knew, do you think? I, I think you're going to see somebody brought in there, but it's it's not going to be somebody at $6 million, and it's probably not going to be somebody with the, the name value of uh, Everson Griffin or Jadavion Clowney or Clay Matthews, for that matter. And I'll keep saying it. I don't think that the door – in fact, I know that the door is not closed on Clowney, but the longer they go – uh, the more money they spend on other guys, the less money they have to spend on Clowney. And I keep saying this, too, that for all the conversations we could have about how much money they have left over, what, you know, how much Clowney might be wanting, how much he might be willing to take at this point, I think the underlying issue here and why they have not signed him is that they feel a lot better about their pass rush than everybody else seems to. And, and certainly you can count me among the skeptics there just because, as I've said, a lot of things have to go right for that to be a, a championship-caliber pass rush. But they feel a lot better about what they have. And also it's not only the guys that they have. I think they, uh, another big part of that is they feel like 
they can scheme their way to more pressure. And, and maybe that was part of the issue last year was some of the scheme things that they did was did not really help them uh, get after the quarterback. So I think you could see them add a, a more of a defensive tackle type, especially with what's going on right now. They were already pretty thin there. Uh, and then uh, you see Jaron Reed and Puna Ford uh, had to miss a day of practice because of some injuries that they had uh, over the first week of training camp. So I could see them adding a defensive tackle there that would probably be more of a run stuffer. I just don't think you're going to see them. Unless Clowney wants to take a deal for a significant discount, I don't think you're going to see them bring in a big-name edge rusher at this point. Charges dropped on Quinton Dunbar. He's off the NFL exempt list. He's in Seattle. He passed his COVID tests. He was on the field, I believe, for the first time back on Sunday. All right, dust off the Brady-Henderson index, the BHI. I know you got a a lot of cobwebs, a lot of dust webs, (laughs) but just dust it off. I want to know what the BHI says as to will he be suspended by the league? If yes, how long? And if yes, how long? When will it start? Come on. Let's hear the BHI. Yeah, well, the service light on the BHI index is, is still light, uh, lit up, and I haven't fixed it since last offseason. So um, that said, I am going to say that there is a 75% chance uh, that he gets suspended. And I think if, you know, if I'm working at one of the Vegas sports books and you're asking me to set the over-under, I think I'm going to set that over under at at five and a half games, and this is this is always a tricky thing to try to predict because we've seen over the last few years that it's it's really hard to find any rhyme or reason to the way the NFL doles out suspensions for issues like this, meaning violations of the personal conduct policy. You know, Jaron Reed. I guess the reason why I say why I think it's likely that he does get suspended, uh, and why I set the over under at five five and a half games is because remember what happened with Jaron Reed last year. He got suspended for an issue from 2017 in which he was neither charged nor arrested and the charges were dropped for the same reason that the Dunbar charges were dropped, insufficient evidence. So it's a reminder that there's there's the legal side of it, there's the NFL side of it, and the NFL can do whatever they want regardless of the legal side. So I'm going to say there's a 75% chance he gets suspended and I'm setting the over-under at five and a half games. Now some Seahawks fans would respond by saying, hey, if it took two years for them to ultimately suspend Reed then maybe this will not happen while Dunbar is even a Seahawk or at the very least this year. I tend to think that this is a much more public case that the NFL has been investigating for a long time, and I can't see them letting this player play the full year, get to free agency, and then perhaps suspend him when he's on another team. You're right. You're right. And and that is that is an interesting point there. And, and it's one that's worth making is that if you know, what what's what do we know about the timing of this or the NFL's urgency when with the Reed case, it was over two years later. Now, I think that is an important distinction is that that issue never really saw the light of day it's like the Dunbar situation was. And so, yeah, I do wonder if the NFL might have a little bit more urgency with Dunbar. At the same time, Mitch, you also got to wonder how their investigation might be impacted by the fact that it's in the middle of a pandemic and I don't know how much person to person investigation there was with the with the Reed situation and maybe that's something that slows down the Dunbar case so it's it's really anybody's guess okay. right now. I'd like to end this version of our chat with Brady Henderson the terrific insider for ESPN on the Seahawks and we'll have him hopefully all year long Brady let's end with a concern you know Mitch always has a concern up my sleeve so I'll throw this one at you None of us like preseason games. 
there'll be no preseason games this year. Now, the flip side to that is preseason games are very helpful in certain regards, one of which would be offensive line. I'm worried. Now, I worry about everything, so tell me not to worry, Brady, but I'm worried about any line, whether it's Seattle's or any other teams in the league, that has a bunch of new faces or names or has a new offensive line coach. In this case, I think we're talking about at least three new members of the offensive line starters and maybe four out of five new members of the starting offensive line. And without those preseason games to get your chemistry to get you know to get your rhythm with the other guys and in the new system I wonder whether we're going to see a real issue when they open in Atlanta on opening day with no games under their belt what do you think about that yeah this answer is not going to do anything to put your mind at ease because you're absolutely right that is uh, that position it's the biggest concern at that position you know I was texting with uh, an NFL scout a few weeks ago and asked him what position group or just position in general would would most suffer from not having you know all from missing all that work in the offseason program in the the spring and the answer was the offensive line for the same reason that you just said it's it's because continuity and you know chemistry and all that all those words it's so important for the offensive line to you know those guys to play off of each other and uh, you know Pete Carroll made a point you know a few weeks back of when the lockout in 2011 that was the position group that suffered the most coming out of the gates because of all of the um, time that they missed I think they didn't start training camp until you know way later and, and they missed a lot of time and so yeah, and now you're talking, and that, I think that would be an issue with any offensive line, especially one with at least three, if not four, uh, new starters there. And so not having those preseason games is really going to hurt that group, and Mike Solari has his work cut out for him. You know, one point I will make kind of along similar lines is I mentioned before, you know, what role scheme and, and you know, what role the coaching staff played in the lack of a pass rush last year. I really think that you're going to see a different-looking Seahawks defense this year, not just in terms of the personnel, but in terms of the way some of those guys are employed. So as much as that might hurt the offensive line to not have that preseason, I think that could actually help the defense just because they're not going to have to show their hand in the preseason of what they're doing. Now, you'd probably keep it pretty vanilla in the preseason anyways, but nobody's really going to know what that Seahawks defense is going to look like, and I think it is going to look different schematically uh, from what it looked like last year. Well, thank you for that. Thank you very much for that. Brady Henderson, you got to follow him on Twitter. Read all of his work at ESPN.com. He follows the Seahawks as well as anybody, and he'll be a, a terrific contributor to Mitch Unfiltered the entire year through. Brady, thank you. Let's visit again soon and enjoy practices and training camp and stay safe out there, okay? All right, same to you, Mitch. Thanks. Seahawks now just a few weeks away from traveling to Atlanta. There's Brady Henderson on the Zeke's Pizza hotline. The Seahawks currently a one-point favorite in the Dome against the Falcons, a Falcons team with presumably no fans in that huge Dome. I always say it, and I mean it. There's no Mitch Unfiltered without great partners like Premier Wealth Manager Evergreen Golf Call. Here he is, CEO Tyler Hay. How's everyone doing over there, Tyler? What's the latest with EG? Everything's going great, Mitch. We're just dealing with the same same things that everybody's dealing with, the post-COVID world and actually the kind of the talk around uh, Evergreen is, is what's going on with schooling and stuff like that. Uh, we found out that our kids are going to be doing remote learning for the foreseeable future. So my wife's not very happy. So that generally <laughs> is, not, is not a good sign. Tell me about the, um, the strategies and the financial situation ramifications long-term 
as it relates to the COVID virus and what the economy's been doing? Sure. Maybe I'll give you kind of two high-level points that I think will affect people, and not necessarily their portfolios directly, but there certainly are ways to extrapolate what it might mean for that. But I do think that one giant trend that's here to stay as a result of this is sort of the re-suburbanization, if you will, of the world. I think that you're going to see lots of people deciding for a variety of reasons that they no longer want to live in an urban environment. And I think that has real implications for home values and commuting and telecommuting and all those things. So I think that's a pretty interesting trend that I don't think is going away. And then I also think that you're going to see kind of a deglobalization of the world. I mean, one of the interesting points, I don't know how many listeners know, but of the essential ingredients for producing pharmaceuticals, something like 80% of it is produced in countries abroad, the United States. And I'm talking about medicines that we are then using here. So I think that you're going to see that shift start to occur and and come back uh, within our borders. So from an investment standpoint, those are some things. And I think also it's interesting to think about in the sports world, maybe transition the conversation or pivot it to kind of be on brand with something that, you know, your listeners might be interested in. You know, I think that one of the maybe silver linings for Seattle sports fans is that COVID-19 fallout could make it more likely for the Sonics to come back to Seattle. I know Glenn Taylor, the owner of the Timberwolves, has promised that he isn't going to sell to someone that's going to move the team. But we've heard that message here in Seattle, and and we saw how that worked out. So given the state of Minnesota and, and basically local governments everywhere, applying tax revenue to build a stadium seems probably pretty unlikely. And then I think that the other thing that is is worthwhile and has some sports ramifications and has some investing ramifications is just the emergence of online gambling. We're seeing it on a state by state level. It's being legalized, but in this world, tax revenue is is a scarcity. Um, And so I think that you're going to see states kind of accelerate their adoption of sports gambling. And and I think that that'd probably be a pretty exciting thing for our local listeners here. Wouldn't that be an incredible silver lining if because of COVID-19 or indirectly, we end up with an NBA team back here in Seattle? Begin your introduction to Evergreen Golf Call with their website and their free newsletter, evergreengk.com. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Many people are wondering if they should postpone or cancel upcoming travel during the COVID-19 pandemic. According to Cleveland Clinic's Dr. Nikita Desai, there are good reasons to be wary of traveling by air. Recirculation of air is a possibility for transmission, but what's more concerning is all of the places that people touch when they get on an airplane or go to an airport. You know, as the sports world continues to grapple with whether to play or not play and exactly how to handle the COVID pandemic, millions of Americans like me are trying to figure out whether it's safe to start traveling again, in particular, getting on planes and staying in hotels. Dr. Ali Nouri is the president of the Federation of American Scientists and truly at the forefront of risk study in times of global crisis and pandemics. Dr. Nouri, it's a pleasure to have you on Mitch Unfiltered. Mitch, it's great to be with you. Begin with a synopsis of the letter, if you would. The, the letter that you sent, I believe, to American and United Airlines, and then we can graduate to your overall opinion of safety of air travel. Sure. Happy to, Mitch. You know, one of the things that we understand fairly well now about this virus is that it's highly transmissible. 
Uh, it's a respiratory virus. So it's coming out as we not only cough and sneeze, but also as we breathe and speak. And one of the real challenges with this virus is that we are highly infectious to other people when we don't have symptoms or just before we develop those symptoms. And that's really why it's been so difficult to bring this virus under control. Uh, because by the time you feel sick, you will have already transmitted the disease to a number of other people. And so when it comes to air travel, there is not any other place that I can think of where people are packed together like sardines for a long period of time, where people who are asymptomatic are not presenting symptoms are breathing out these, uh, these droplets, which contain virus particles, and that can infect other people uh, on the plane. And so what we were especially concerned with was the fact that the two airlines that you named, United and American, decided that they would book to capacity, that they wouldn't even keep that middle seat closed. And so that just increases the likelihood that somebody sitting next to you will breathe in your face or cough and get, uh, and, and, and get you in infected. So it was just simply a letter that said, look, air travel is already not that safe. Let's not make it less safe. Are they listening? Are the airlines listening? Can you tell? Well, some are. Some of, some of the airlines have decided they will not book that middle seat. Um, but as far as I know, uh, those two airlines, United American, are, are, are still pressing ahead. Uh, you know, one of the challenges here, Mitch, is that the airlines are telling a pretty good story to the public, um, but it's not the full story. What the airlines have been saying is that their air filtration system is very efficient and that, that they circulate the air within the plane every three to four minutes. Now, that's actually true. Um, the air circulates in the plane and brings in uh, much more fresh air than your standard HVAC system in a building, per se. Uh, but the difference is that when you're in a office building or elsewhere, you get to have control over how far apart you are from people. You, uh, you don't have that kind of option when you're on a plane. We know that this is a virus that likes crowds and it spreads through crowds. And the fact that you're sitting in a plane four hours gives the opportunity for people around you to, again, exhale those particles and infect others. And it's not always just the person sitting right next to you. It can be rows further from you. One of the examples here is uh, that we can point to is with respect to the first SARS virus, the classic SARS virus in 2002. Now that was a different virus, but it was in the same, it, it was a cousin of this current SARS virus, if you will. And what we know is that that virus was not as contagious as the current one. And yet we have an example of a super spreader event where an individual got on a plane. It was a China Airlines flight 112. Individual gets on the plane in Hong Kong, traveling to Beijing. And by the time that three hour flight is over, 
22 people on that plane have been infected, some of whom were sitting seven or more rows away from the index patient. So air travel is a concern. It's interesting that you bring up the air systems on planes because every time we've wandered into this topic off of our normal sports conversation, Dr. Nouri, those air systems on planes get brought up and it's described to me that the risks with everyone wearing masks are actually very small and that the problems might be more prevalent in the actual airports because of the common areas, the gates, the jetways to the plane. I'm not sure listening to you that you necessarily agree with that. That's right, Mitch. I I think travel and particularly air travel is risky uh, from beginning to end. As you said, you have to take, uh, whether it's public transportation or a bus or a train, you're with other people getting to the airport. When you're in the airport, you might go to the bathroom. Bathrooms are not the safest places because, again, they're not ventilated. Virus can accumulate. You might be in a shop next to other people. Uh, or, or, or you might be in that security line with somebody breathing down your neck. Those are all risky. But again, even when you get on the plane, uh, while, while it is true that the air within the, the planes uh, does get mixed in with fresh air every few minutes, and that is a good thing, there's two things you have to remember. One, if the person next to you is sick and they're breathing right in your face, it doesn't really matter that that air is getting recirculated every three or four minutes because you're literally seconds away from that, that individual. The second issue is that by the time the, the air circulates within three or four minutes, those virus particles have already spread around to especially the seats that are, that, that are closer to you. And so by the time it leaves the plane, it may have already gotten into your airway and potentially caused an infection. So I, I, I do appreciate the fact that we have these filters in the plane, but I, I don't think that outweighs the fact that people are packed like sardines yeah. on a plane for a long period of time, and that gives a lot of opportunities for infection. It feels like, Ali, that, that people are traveling more and more. Case in point, the airlines wouldn't wouldn't be opening the middle seat if they didn't think that they could sell the middle seat. So it seems like... Is it a false sense of security? We're all now kind of buying some philosophy that it's okay to fly and it's safe to fly? I would agree with you. And, you know, quite frankly, Dr. Fauci has gone on the record to say, look, I wouldn't fly. As he said just the other day, he wouldn't dine in in a restaurant Mm -hmm. and he wouldn't fly because you're just simply introducing risk into your life. Now, having said that, if you have to fly, then by all means, you've got to wear a mask. Mm. Uh, we, know, we know that masks can be very effective. They are a low-tech tool, um, but, but, but they are a highly effective one. And, you know, in addition to reducing uh, the viral transmission from person to person, there's also a lot of interesting new studies. Uh, new, and some of this is anecdotal, so they haven't done clinical trials per se. But there's a lot of examples now that scientists are pointing to that shows even when the mask doesn't work perfectly, even if when you do get uh, infected uh, from somebody who may be wearing a mask, 
Because there's less virus coming your way, because that mask does tend to capture a lot of the virus, and so less virus particles enters uh, and enters your uh, your airways, mm-hmm. that tends to result in milder disease, ah. and, and and oftentimes even asymptomatic disease. Mm. So many many good reasons for wearing masks. Yeah. Part of the reason probably that we see all these terrible stories about our health care providers, our doctors and nurses, that when they get when they when they get the disease, they get a, a more severe form of them. Uh, Dr. Ali Nouri is the president of the Federation of American Scientists, and he's good enough to be with us. How about hotels, Ali? What do you think? Well, my my view on hotels, again, for myself and my family, if you don't have to go to a hotel, don't go to a hotel. Because again, it's a building that you're sharing with lots of other people. And in addition to being concerned about touching something that an infected individual might have touched or breathed on, uh, you have to consider the fact that this is a respiratory disease and that this virus is in the air. So if you do end up going to a hotel, avoid the restaurants, avoid crowds. And even when you're in your own room, if you can, open up the window. You know, ventilation is really a critical aspect that we're learning more and more. Mm. As long as you're giving that hotel room uh, the opportunity to mix in some of that fresh air uh, with, the, with the contaminated indoor air, you're diluting the virus. You're diluting those particles. And the more dilution, the less likely you are to inhale an infectious dose of virus particles. So, so, so my suggestion would be, if you have to go to a hotel, make sure you're taking the right precautions, ventilation, hygiene, and masks. Ali, I've seen your work on the race for the vaccine, which includes desperation and obvious agendas of these participants in the race. Where are we, do you think? You seem concerned that we're dangerously rushing to get these into circulation. Well, Mitch, I think, you know, when we talk about vaccines, it's really important to keep in mind that we need the public to be with us. There is a very concerning poll that came out just a couple weeks ago that shows, you know, 30 percent of Americans are very much ambivalent when it comes to taking a vaccine against the coronavirus. And 20 percent of them even said they didn't want to take it because they're worried about safety. So we have a lot of work to do to convince those individuals that this vaccine is going to be safe. And whenever you rush a process, you erode that confidence. Now, what I'm what I'm happy to see so far in the United States is that while we've sped very quickly into the initial laboratory phases and the animal testing, we're taking precautions before we roll out the vaccine in the general population. And what I mean by that is the vaccine is going through a series of clinical trials, phase one clinical trial, phase two and phase three. And during these three phases, you test the vaccine on larger and larger numbers of individuals. And by the time you do a phase three, you get the confidence that the vaccine is safe and effective. Hmm. Now, we have to make sure we don't short circuit that process. Hmm. And one of my concerns is as we go into election season, there may be pressure on 
of regulatory agencies like the FDA, for example, to speed up some of those trials. And we just have to remain vigilant and we have to push back against any sort of uh, activity that shortcuts those safety trials. Yeah, I I was going to say the Yale, the Yale University groups uh, progress on saliva testing seems to have momentum even within the FDA, I think. Do you have thoughts on saliva testing as a alternative maybe to get these tests into homes and more prevalent around the country? Right, right. I, I think that's a great new development, Mitch. Um, as, as, as you noted, uh, the FDA has issued what's called an emergency use authorization, which fast-tracks the test. Fast-tracking a test is different than fast-tracking a vaccine. So, so, so in this case, um, I'm, I was glad to see that the Yale test is moving through the pipeline quickly, and that's simply because the Yale test actually... Uh, Uh, gets around the fact that uh, these other tests that we were using were more time consuming. Um, And some of the reagents that we needed for these other tests are hard to come by. And there's shortages of those things. And we even have to depend on, uh, you know, foreign countries to get some of those reagents. And besides that, uh, those old tests are very invasive um, and and just very uncomfortable, especially for children. So the benefit of this new Yale test is that it's simply a saliva swab. And number two, it's going to be cheap. And number three, as you said, uh, there is the ability to really scale it up and do lots and lots of tests. Uh, Because, you know, one thing we know, Mitch, is that we are not going to be able to control this virus until we're testing people. And again, that comes back to the fact that the virus is spread while we're asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. And that means every morning before we go to work, before we go to school, ideally, we should be testing ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that we're moving gradually into this direction with the Yale tests and uh, and other platforms is good news. So Dr. Nouri, allow me to end with a situation that faces our family, which I'd imagine means it faces lots of different families in our audience. We've got an 18-year-old college freshman to be who will be moving into his dorm life at the end of September. He'll be taking the majority, if not all of his classes online beginning his college experience but the university is 15 minutes from home and I'm scared as hell of getting sick. So what do we do? Do we ask him not to come home? We can't test him and possibly get the results before he visits. I'm sure this is a scenario that faces a lot of us during this time of the year. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. mate. And you know, it, there are so many factors at play here because we have to really think about the health of individuals, especially the elderly and we have to balance that with uh, with mental health and, and, and the psychology of these issues, especially when you're talking about a family and seeing loved ones. Uh, but my advice uh, is, as, as someone who uh, has been uh, working on the public health aspects of this is to have separation unless you're confident um, that the individuals uh, don't pose a risk to you, especially, especially if... If, if you might also have interactions with seniors and elderly, I think it's really important that we shelter seniors because, as you know, uh, you know, the vast majority of deaths, uh, over 80 percent in the United States are in the senior population. 
and, and, you know, many of our seniors uh, live with uh, uh, college-age folks, uh, live with uh, uh, elementary school folks. And, and, and so these decisions for those families as to whether or not send those kids to school or to college can be a life and, life and death type of decisions. And, and, and in my view, you know, this is a pandemic that we have not faced in 100 years. And that requires taking precautions that we normally would not take. So my recommendation would be that if you're concerned that your son is interacting with others who might harbor the virus, which is quite a possibility if he's going to college, to limit your interactions at least until this pandemic yeah. is over yeah. or at least until testing is so routine right. that you have confidence that he's free of the virus. Very good. Terrific, terrific stuff. I am so very appreciative of your time, Dr. Ali Nouri. He's the president of the Federation of American Scientists. He is all over this. Follow him on Twitter and follow their work on their website. Dr. Nouri, great to have you on. I hope we can call upon you again sometime soon. Thanks so very much. It was a pleasure to be with you, Mitch. Take care. The voice of Dr. Ali Nouri, president of the American Federation of Scientists, he remains of the opinion, don't fly or stay in hotels unless you have no choice until there is a more widespread form of testing. This new inexpensive saliva test from Yale University is a major step in the right direction of daily in-home testing for COVID-19. Back on the horn with the president of Zeke's Pizza on the Zeke's Pizza hotline. Here's Dan Black to give us a little update, Dan on what's going on with the Zeke's Pizza locations these days. Very similar to the last time we talked, patios and dining rooms are open and uh, steady. Takeout and delivery continue to be kind of the prime action, but people are eating out a little bit in the dining room and the patios. Can you give us a sense of the appetite for all of us to go back and sit in restaurants or at least outside in restaurants? Do you get a sense with the numbers that more and more people are more comfortable to do that? It is mixed. I think people are wary for sure. Socially distance and cleaning practices, all the things that is top of mind with everybody and in the headlines is important. People do not want to be in crowds. At least we're not seeing it at Zeke's. While there's people in, nobody's looking for like a jam-packed bar scene or something. So people are coming in as long as they can keep distance. Any trouble, Dan, with COVID-19, with your staff or with uh, customers? Any issues? We've had some employees who have tested positive. We have really strict procedures in place, uh, quite a bit more than is required by law. So if we have any employee who has been exposed or tested positive, we close the restaurant immediately. We deep clean it immediately, and then we do not let people come back to work until they have tested negative. And so... We verify that people are negative before uh, they can come back into work. So by the time we reopen the location, we know that we have a staff that is confirmed negative. We've had a couple of closures, and we've got it down pretty good. So we were closed for three days is all the last time it happened. And so we've had it happen twice. We see it as just a fact of life at this point. And our view is that if we stay safe and strict on it, then uh, even if we have a store closed here and there, we'll be able to keep the whole system open and functioning for the most part rather than having it spread. Tell us about the delivery arm. How's it going? And people still ordering beer, ordering pizza, ordering salads? And Yep, delivery and takeout is still where most of the action is at. People are picnicking in their backyards at home. They're ordering out when they're, we're out and about in the park and stuff like that. So there's still a lot of that. People are out 
being adventurous in the summer in the Northwest. We're doing a lot of growlers still, but we reintroduced crowlers about a month ago. And crowlers are a 32-ounce aluminum can, basically. So you can get a big uh, aluminum can of draft beer from us that are really easy to take on a hike or throw in a cooler or something. Uh, and they're recyclable. And so it's it's a lot easier to, to haul around than a growler. So we're we're selling a lot of beer right now in crowlers so people can be mobile with them do what the levy family does download the zeke's pizza app it's as simple as a couple of clicks and pizza and beer will be at your door we love zeke's pizza we love our partnership with zeke's pizza and it's homegrown in the northwest unfiltered then hot shots got three interviews in the books you had yourself some rick neuheisel yes on the the messy college football situation uh he thinks he thinks that we're gonna have fall football he thinks it's better than 50 50 that we are going to have fall football in those three conferences the acc the sec big 12, and the big 12 yeah. but he doesn't like the chances of the pac-12 and the big 10 waiting to spring and actually playing in spring. He doesn't like those chances. He lists those as worse than 50-50. He thinks that's a problem. And if there's no Pipe football, dream. if there's no football at all for fall and spring, then we get back to the question we asked 2 3 months ago. Right. What happens to the seniors? Do they get to come back for another year? Like it's just Don't com- know. I know. Yeah. Complicated and very, confusing very compl- and very ugh. very complicated. Yeah. Anyway, Rick Neuheisel, Brady Henderson on the first week of Seahawks practices. Uh, ESPN Insider, Seahawks Insider, and Ali Nouri, Dr. Ali Nouri on air travel, hotels, vaccines, all the stuff that you need to know. Uh, a very informative 15 or 17 minutes with Dr. Nouri. What do you got other stuff, other stuff wise? A Florida man oh, Jesus. was arrested after living in a luxury suite for two weeks in a pro soccer stadium that's closed for COVID. There's a pro soccer stadium, I guess, in Florida somewhere. They're called the Rowdies. And you had season tickets for a while, didn't you? <laughs> you, you love it. Cops say surveillance cameras captured the 39-year-old homeless man oh, just God. moving around. He was helping himself to concessions. Hey, putting on some sweat, hooded sweatshirts with you know, some gear. What, they leave the concessions out? <laughs> I had no idea. Like, I, I was wondering... This reminds me of the movie where didn't Tom Hanks live in an airport? Somebody lived in an airport, did Yeah, he got stuck they? in an airport. Somebody got stuck in it's an based airport. based on a true story. Yeah. But so they say he ultimately ended up taking more than $1,000 worth of stuff, but he got caught because a cleaning crew noticed personal items like shaving cream and razors in the suite. He's just, you know, going about his day. And I was thinking, good for him for... He's homeless, and yet he still shaves. I can't be Is bothered Is it possible <laughs> this same guy got arrested not too long ago for trying to heat up... A hot pocket in a bank. I don't think it's. <laughs> I don't think it's him, but they they should they should pair up. Uh, yeah, so there you go. They, not the worst place to be if you're homeless. Alex Smith, know him? You following this story? The yeah. Alex Smith quarterbacking story. He had that horrific leg injury a couple of years ago. If you watch the E60 piece on him, he almost died. I guess he suffered from sepsis. Oh, he got infected. Yeah. He almost died. Then he almost had to lose the leg. So it looked like he was either going to die or lose the leg. Neither one of those things happened. He started this rehabilitation. And over the course of the last several days, he was actually cleared to play NFL football. He's cleared to play NFL football. That's the good news. Okay. The bad news is there was video making the way around the uh, – the internet. Yeah, I've heard of it. Social media. Mm-hmm. Of him being, he him and his young family, kids and wife, celebrating the fact that he'd been cleared by the doctor to play. Yeah. 
They're spraying him. Spraying him. Yeah. I don't know with water or shampoo. Uh, shampoo. Champagne. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they're sharing. But if you watch the video, and I don't, I'm not a doctor, and I, this is probably out of my domain. Oh, you're not. Watch the video. He does not look good. He does not look like he's walking well. That leg, I know that leg has a has like a sock on it, yeah. has a bandage on it, but still he doesn't look he doesn't look sturdy to me. Like I looked at it, I was like, oh my God, that guy is really gonna try to get behind centers and <laughs> center and and take shots in the end. No way. From clowny. Like if 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 that were my husband or my father, I would be like, Dad, honey, whatever, yeah. whatever you call him. Retire, or, or we we don't we don't need this. Get we don't need coaching. you. I, don't, yeah. I, I mean, I, I hope maybe it's ceremonial. He's gonna like throw one pass, then he's gonna leave, and he's gonna retire, and he's gonna say, "Hey, I made it back." And maybe it's. I mean, it's a great. Don't don't get me wrong. It's a great feel good story that he was able to battle near death and near amputation and get back to a point where he's been medically cleared to play. But he does not look to me, at least from that video, as a guy that's ready to play in the NFL. No way. It was a weird gait. His walk was, it just didn't, it looked weird to me. And again, none of us were, know anything, but it just didn't look right. There was a limp. It was a bit of a limp. And my favorite part was he had a flip-flop on the left foot. And, it, you know, he's getting wet. And when flip-flops get wet, you can sort of slide off him. Oh, God. His left ankle rolls, if you look at it. Okay. It's like, I'm going to kill the okay. guy again. <laughs> just, just think about what we're saying. We're, we're sitting here worrying about whether the guy can withstand some water in the driveway with flip-flops. <laughs> That's right. That's what you and I are analyzing right now. This is a guy who's just been cleared to stand back in a pocket oh, God. and throw footballs in the NFL. I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I admire the guy. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible not to admire the guy and his family. He was a hell of a quarterback for a while. Well, there. he was Yeah, he was kind of an overachiever, I thought. Remember when he was with It was them? always a question of whether he was as good as he as he, as he, the numbers he put up. The year, be, I think it was 2012, didn't he take him to the Super Bowl or was that still Kaepernick? There was one year where he was just amazing for the 49ers. Oh, I think he was, I think he was good for a few years. He was fast. I think he's half the answer to a really good trivia question too. Really okay. good stump the band question. All right. I'm sure I'll The only it. school in history, college in history, to have the number one player in the NFL draft and the number one player in the NBA draft in the same year. Ah. I believe, I hope I haven't messed that one up too. Sorry, Hugh. If I did, I don't know. Um, and that would be the University of Utah. Alex Smith, I believe, was the number one pick in the draft. Or am I wrong? Am I no, making that I, up? I think you're right. Number one pick in the draft. And then uh, Andrew Bogut. That's right. Andrew was a Bogut. center from the Utah Utes <laughs> who was the number one player picked in the NBA draft. You are correct. I remember that question. I think you're right on yeah, that. Yeah, I like yeah. that question. But anyway, right. Alex there you go, Smith. Alex Smith. All right, stay with me on this one. You ready? Yep. The man who plays Bailey, the LA Kings Lion mascot, he's being sued. As opposed to Bailey... The WKRP in Cincinnati character. Did you ever watch WKRP? Are you too young to that for that? A little young, although I almost ran over Lonnie Anderson in the hallways at Clear Channel one time. You did? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. See, there was a WKRP in Cincinnati debate the same as a Gilligan's Island debate and same as a lot of different shows. Oh, gotcha, yeah. You know the debate I'm talking sure, about? I know the Gilligan's Island There was Island the starlet one. like Lonnie Anderson, but then there was the other plain Jane like Bailey from WKRP Cincinnati, which a lot of people thought was cuter than the uh, than the starlet like 
uh, the movie star, Tina Louise's character versus Marianne, right, you know, that right. type of thing. Yeah, a little more anyway. girl next door versus like model. Anyway, so we're not talking Bailey from WKRP in Cincinnati. We are not, but the person who plays the mascot's being sued for allegedly sexually harassing a female ice crew staffer. I mean, these really? mascots, this is not the first story we've read really? with these mascots. This is the L.A. Kings mascot? The L.A. Kings lion mascot. I don't know why oh it's a lion. So the woman behind the suit is using the alias Jane Doe to protect her identity. She says she was hired for the crew in 2018 to work fan events for the Kings. And Tim Smith is the name of the guy who, who is the mascot, but he's also, he fires and hires people for the ice crew. So he had a little power over her. She says he created this terrible environment for female employees, constantly wow. cracking lewd jokes, making inappropriate wow, wow, sexual wow, wow. comments, and, and, and would leer at her breasts and buttocks, making her feel super uncomfortable. So she's suing. Mascots. She's suing for more than a million dollars. You're mascots. right. I, I feel like I've heard this story before in other ways, where mascots misbehave. Yeah. Mascots gone wild. Did you ever know Squatch or the guy that played Squatch? Yeah, oh, sure I did. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy. Wasn't his first name Jeremy? It might have been, yeah. Little guy with a beard? Well, or was that Squatch? Or was that... That could have been just Squatch. No, but I, I feel I, like... Jeremy, I think his name I was. I think it was Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I, he was a little prickly to me. Oh. I didn't think he was the nicest like guy in the nice, world. No. Nah, he, I just I thought he was kind of a jerk. I remember thinking, well, it's so disappointing because really? you're Squatch. But I could have been wrong. I mean, I know, it was a long maybe time there were ago. a few squatches. Yeah, maybe, maybe there were more than one. Anyway, what are these mascots? They, they, <laughs> they get know. these costumes on. And they go fucking. They go nuts. I don't know. NBA playoffs? Interested or not in the bubble? Yeah, for the sure. End, well, I'm really, really, really interested. I'm I'm blown away by the success, the COVID success of the NBA bubble in Orlando. Yeah. It has been a raving success. I don't think we've heard of. I don't think we've heard of one positive test in the bubble. Yeah. Uh, they're going to start the NBA playoffs. In case you care. I think the Portland Trailblazers might play the LA Lakers. I'm kind of hoping for that. I don't have it in front of me. Damian Lillard off of his like 51 and 61 and 48. Yeah. Guy is like scoring like Wilt Chamberlain scored in his prime against the LA Lakers. That could be, you know, these first round series are not supposed to be tough for the higher seed. Well, who wants to draw Damian Lillard in the first right. round if indeed the Lakers are drawing Damian Lillard? Speaking anyway. of the Trailblazers, is there, yeah. do we know any more about, this was a big discussion at camping. What happened to Calabro? Why would he leave? Oh, I think it's been made pretty clear that he just decided he needed a break. He was worried about he's worried about the virus. He, was, he, he okay. wanted to be with his family. He wanted to recharge. He didn't want to go back to work and and do the games and so forth and so that that's I don't think there's anything mysterious unless okay. there's something I'm missing. I don't think there's anything mysterious. And I think he'll be back. I think you'll see oh, Kevin see. Calabro okay. back. He's not. I don't think he's retiring. From, I don't want to speak for Kevin Calabro, right. but I, I think you'll you'll see him back at yeah. some point. People yeah. were like thought maybe there was something a little something no, I, I, nefarious. Nothing, nothing that I know of. Okay. Just just a guy who was worried in the COVID era in the pandemic yeah. and wanted to be around his kids and his family and didn't want to go be out there. Wasn't ready for all of that and decided to step away. That's what I think. All right. Yeah. yeah. The Spurs missed the playoffs for the first time in 22 years. Speaking of that, I had no idea they were 22 years in a row they were in the playoffs. Well, they had, yeah, well, they had like Tim Duncan 21 of those years. That's right. He didn't play forever, didn't he? Right. (laughs) Uh, Did you see where the NBA family that's in the bubble that doesn't allow, the players are not allowed to have their families with them yet. They're about to. Did you see that one of the games was introduced, the, the PA announcement of the players at the beginning of the game it was a surprise. It was footage from their families. Their families introduced each player. Did you notice that? I did see that. That was very So sweet. cool. Yeah. 
That was so great. cool. I, I, I had a feeling a great you would, touch. I had a feeling you would love something like that. Oh, here we go. Why? Well, no, but no, you. you Why? Go ahead. You like go sentimental ahead. type stuff. I thought you were going to say that I, I like old people. <laughs> well, they weren't. Well, yeah, there wasn't all old people in there. No, that was that was a really a sweet great thing. touch. If you haven't seen the video of like kids introducing their dads on yeah. video as a surprise to their dads before the game started, go check it out. It's really good. Really good. Yeah, and it was cool because they weren't expecting it. Like they, no. they did, it was a total surprise. total surprise. That's what makes it the yeah. best. For the first time in team history, the Miami Dolphins will wear a special patch Ooh. to honor an individual person. Who was that person who passed away recently? Oh, wow. Yeah, the late, great the Don greatest. Shula. It's the first time the they... The jaw. Yeah, that's right. This will be the first time in the Dolphins' 54 seasons that a patch will be worn to honor an individual. So he's worthy of it, right? Well, my guess is they did something to commemorate Joe Robbie when he died, the original owner of the Dolphins. Well, this is from what the team says. Okay. So I'm going to go with them. Well, I'm saying that maybe it wasn't a patch for Joe Robbie, but I'm certain if you go back, when Joe Robbie passed away, the owner of the yeah. Dolphins, my guess is that they did something like Jay... I, I don't know. All right. Well, I'm yeah. just going off. Yeah. I'm trying to give you a good feel-good story about the Dolphins here, and you're crapping on it. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> just adding. I'm adding color to it. Okay, thank you. Uh, it seems like when a superstar player like Michael Jordan or Larry Bird or Magic Johnson comes into the NBA, that very soon thereafter, the coach that they inherit when they come in gets fired. You're watching, Have you noticed that? Well, watching the Jordan thing, I was I was reminded about Doug Collins. Doug Collins. Doug's probably like, oh, I'm going to ride about, this guy for 15 years. How about Paul years. Westhead in, in L.A.? When Magic right. Johnson became a Laker, I believe Paul Westhead was the coach, if I'm not wrong, if I'm not wrong about that. That sounds right. But and he, then he was fired real quickly. They didn't get along. Magic Johnson yeah. and Paul Westhead didn't get along. They he, brought in Pat Riley. What a championship with, with Magic. Well, <laughs> he gets fired. here's the version of that story in 2020. Alvin Gentry. People probably don't even know who Alvin Gentry is. Alvin Gentry is a... A journeyman coach. He's been a coach a couple of different places. He was the coach the last several years for the New Orleans Pelicans, mm -hmm. site of number one pick Zion Williamson. And this is rookie year. Alvin Gentry's out. The next coach is going to come in, yeah. kind of like Pat Riley right. or <laughs> Phil Jackson, and inherit not only Zion Williamson, but a lot of other great young NBA talent. Anyway. There you go. So if you're looking for a job, which you are. Yeah, sure. I could definitely This is a great job to have. Is that right? Well, you want to coach Zion Williamson, don't you? Yeah, but is the team any good? I mean, yeah, yeah, they the missed team's the playoffs. Young and good. Yeah, they should have made. That's probably why he was fired. Yeah, I guess that could be. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah. and Zion Williamson yeah. does not strike me as a guy that's hard to get along with. Oh, I was going to. I was just going to ask you. So you're not suggesting that this is that? No. Okay. Maybe. No. no. Okay. He wouldn't come in and say this, this. This coach sucks. Get him no, out of here. No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think he's the type of guy to do that. You familiar with Trent Williams, the new 49er? Yes. How fast was he going? Oh my God! These guys—they can't—they they can't resist. Speed, man. So on his Instagram story, he appears to show um, him going 125 miles per hour in his Ferrari. Now that's pretty fast, 125. Yes. If it's 60 and you go double the limit, you get arrested. They don't even play with that. He's doubling the speed limit. You get arrested. From you what get I've arrested, heard. as opposed to getting a ticket. Correct. Yeah. Like you get impound. I like get doubling the speed limit. If yeah. it's that's no good. What do you think his coaches are thinking watching this guy? 125 miles an hour. Like, what are you doing? And he was taking video, right? Yeah, he was filming it. He was filming himself going. So this car of his, it's a 2019 Ferrari 488 Pista, yeah. I think it's called. Yeah. Over 700 horsepower and a top speed of 211 miles an hour. So 125 is probably third gear. So I mean, it probably feels like nothing to him. We've seen this before. Well, J Jason Pierre-Paul got into a bad accident in the exact same car in May of 2019. Wow. 
and he suffered a neck injury that required major surgery. To me, I, I, oh. I, I have to know where he was doing this. I don't know about the road and who was on the road and what time of day, but I remember discussing this. I want to say Adrian Peterson, but I'm not sure. Okay. I think Adrian Peterson, God, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, was once cited for going well over 100 miles an hour in a, in, on a very busy highway at a, I, I don't remember. I, I, I think it's the ultimate ultimate act of selfishness to me mm. i mean think about it if if he's truly on a busy road at a part of the day where there's other i mean he's totally putting everybody's lives at risk for his enjoyment right totally yep. he's literally anybody who is in, is in a car anywhere nearby he is he is soul-handedly putting their life at risk for his sole enjoyment. He was in the carpool lane, and he's zooming by people. There are other cars. Oh, you've seen the video. Yeah, he's flying. Uh, I mean, just... Bad. Yeah. It's, bad. Now, if you're driving to Montana, and there's no one around, and you want to get, get on it, it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. And I get speeding. I'm not saying I don't speed. But when you start going 125 miles an hour in a Ooh. congested area... Yeah. And saying, essentially, with your actions, screw you. I don't care about your life. I don't care about your life. I don't care yeah. about your life. I, I think that's pretty... I think it's pretty reprehensible. All it takes really is know. someone to just kind of pull into your lane. They that's don't, it. That's it. And then you're now you're jamming on your brakes, that's and you it. hope they work at 125. I mean, yeah. Risky. All right. I got one last one. Ellen. I got an Ellen update. Oh, good. Because I know I did an interview with uh, the uh, New Yorker guy about Ellen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on uh, what would it have been, 103P. I'll give you the latest in the Ellen saga. Uh, a few different guests now are saying that they were told by producers, I guess these were funny people. Okay. They were told by producers, they were warned by producers on multiple occasions before their segment started with Ellen, you are not to be funnier than Ellen. This is her show, and don't be, whatever you do, don't be funnier than Ellen. Two or three different people have said they were warned by producers before their segment started. Well, you said the same thing to me when I started this cockamamie podcast. I I worry about it every day, every night. (laughs) Sure you do. Your your Ellen obsession is like my Jake Paul thing. Every episode, we got to talk about Ellen. So you made the claim, not the claim, but you sort of predicted the show's not going anywhere. It's going to be back. What I think you, it'll be back. You still think that? Yeah. Because there was a, what was it, a, a, a producer, like somebody high up on the show was accused of uh, sexual, you yeah. know, it's like, it's not just her, it looks like, it's just an I awful think the show. I think the show will be back. I'm standing by it. All right. Don't Hold be, me to it. I think the show will be back. Don't be funnier than Ellen. That's a Don't real, be funnier than Ellen. That's a weird This is line. her show, not your show. <laughs> so you just remember, when you go on that stage, God. you can be funny. Don't be funnier than Ellen. How insecure does one have to be to worry about that? That was like Johnny Carson's strength, was letting people be hilarious on his show, right? And yeah. S- sitting well, back everybody and, was funnier than him. Yeah, he was, he was pretty funny. Yeah, but everybody was funnier than him. But if Rickles is rolling... He loved it. Loved it. He just yeah. sits back, do, just do yeah. your thing. yeah. He fueled it. He yeah. wanted him to be even funnier. Right. Yeah. Not, not Ellen. Don't no. be funnier than me. No. <laughs> I, for some reason, I think Joe Kelly now is my favorite baseball player. Did you read what this guy said, his pitcher? Joe Kelly, the guy who got suspended for throwing at the Houston Astros and then calling him a bitch? Yeah. He, now, now he's, that guy? He, he's ripping him. Like, not only did he get suspended, but now he's, he's calling them snitches and little bitches over their cheating <laughs> scandal. He can't stop this guy. Hey, he wasn't even on the team when they cheated. <laughs> That's right. I know. I don't think. No, he, I think he was uh, with the Red Sox, maybe, but he's, maybe. he cannot. He even said, I'll, I will hate this till the day I die. He can't get over their cheating. It's killing him. He, he's a re- uh, we all saw the video of him, right? right, right. He flipping him off and yeah. doing the whole thing. Anyway, yeah. I just I, I love that he can't stop. He can't, can't stop. He can't stop. Can't stop. Hilarious.
That's it. That's I, I don't have any more. You have anything else? Oh, I got one more. <laughs> Sharon Smith, 53, said she was cooking in her kitchen when a van pulled up outside her home, and a man ran from the vehicle towards her garden, and so she followed him, suspecting he was could be stealing some firewood or something in her yeah. garden. But the uh, mom of two caught the man mid-squat defecating on her property among the trees and promptly called the police. Turns out he was an Amazon delivery man. Oh, no. Someone's stomach was killing him. Lunch. Oh, no. Yeah, lunch didn't agree with him or something. But uh, she said even asked what, but he got sort of aggressive and said, what's, what's your problem? And aggressively tried to leave, which he did. And then he started delivering packages right after doing that. So she called uh-huh. the... Well, you know, I mean... He's want, finished now. He's ready to go. Do you want that package? He's refreshed. <laughs> I don't think he had, you know, a sink to wash his hands. So, so anyway, she called called the police, decided not to press charges against him. She just said, all I want is for him to clean well, it up. look, I'm not defending the Amazon delivery man for yeah. defecating in her garden, <laughs> okay? But I think all of us, my guess is all of us, I hope I'm not the only one here that's talking about this. I think all of us have gotten to that point where they had to go to the bathroom really, really badly sure. and you had nowhere to go, and it's a terrible feeling. It's awful. It may be the world's worst feeling where you don't know if you can hold it and yeah. you don't know where to go, and there's no place to go. Maybe you're on the road and you... The worst. I, I mean, it's the worst yeah. feeling in the world. Again, I'm not defending him. Right, but we've all been but, there. I mean, how about when you're running into a place and they tell you no public bathrooms? Oh, they I, say that you can't use this. This is, this is we but don't in, have in, one. But internally, the process is kind of starting. I mean, Because like, yeah. you think you're like 10 seconds it's away. It's a bad, bad, bad feeling. I've had that happen more times than I'd like to <laughs> is mention. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> Any yes. accidents? Uh, I've had that happen more oh, times than I'd like to mention. It's awful. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible feeling. Mike McCready, the guitar player for Pearl Jam, has Crohn's disease, so he, ha- you know, yeah. and so he's actually tried yeah. to make a really big push to these public places to let people use the yeah. restroom because you never know somebody might have Crohn's, and you know, yeah. it's it's an it can be an emergency sometimes. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm as you're as you're talking, I'm I'm thinking maybe I'll reward and maybe this is too personal. But I'll reward the people that made it to this far with a story because I actually have a story about that that involves my my dad. May he rest in peace. And maybe my my brother will hear me telling this story and go, "How could you tell this story?" Like a public restroom story, kind of, sorta. Okay. So, the last year of our trips before he passed away, the last year we were able to go to NCAA tournament uh, games, we went. Uh, they they made it to the final four. The Syracuse team made it to the final four. But one of their stops along the way was in was in uh, San Jose, California. Okay. And he wasn't doing great. He wasn't doing great. And there were a lot of things that come along with not doing great, as you, as a lot of people in our audience would know. But um, we had lunch. We decided to take a trip, a day trip to San Francisco. He wanted to take a day trip to San Francisco from San Jose on the off day between the games that Syracuse was playing. Okay. So we went to a, to a lunch on the wharf, in, in, at the wharf in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. And then we had to make our way back to San Jose to our hotel, which I don't even remember, an hour, an hour and a half. I don't know if you know that ride. It's mostly highway. And as he's coming out of the, out of the I, you hate to treat your father like a kid, but when he's coming out of the, the restaurant and we're getting ready to get in the car and we know that we have a, and you know he had issues like this, and and I said, Dad, do you want to you want to pee one more time before we go? Because yeah. we're getting on a, we're getting in a long car work. At right. some point, though, you do. It's weird how you're the kid. You have to sort of start a parenting bit, a little bit. Yeah, the roles. So do I said, Dad, do you want to go? And and you know he he was a, a very um, a very um, proud, proud guy, okay. mm-hmm. and he, his 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 answer to me was, Would you stop it? 
I've okay. Been, I've been peeing for a long okay. time, kid. I all got right. this. Longer than you've been born, <laughs> all right? right. I, I can handle myself. I just <laughs> went. I'm fine. Let's get in the car. And you don't have to be my... You're not my father, you know, something like that. Yeah, he, was, yeah. he was agitated. Okay. And I loved it when my dad got a little agitated. It was funny when he was agitated. Just get in the car and just cut it out already, yeah. all right? So we get in the car and I'm driving and Jay's in the back seat, my, my older brother. And my father's in the front seat. We start the drive and we are just getting to the highway in San Francisco and he's like, so how long is the, uh, is the trip? Oh. And I said, well, we're, we're not on the highway yet, Dad. We've only been going for about eight minutes. Oh, we're not on the highway yet. And I said, Does, oh. are you telling me that you cut it? I told you to cut it out. I, who, oh. I didn't tell you I had to go. I'm asking you a, a simple question. <laughs> Why in the hell would you just assume right. that my simple question means that? Yeah. Can't you just answer a simple damn question? And I'm like, okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Uh, we've got about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, whatever it was. Yeah. He's like, okay. It's, that, that's all I was asking. All right? And about five minutes later, he's like, okay, now I got to go. <laughs> So I would, I hightail it off the. I mean, it was close. I mean, I had to oh. high find. I had to find a motel, run him in. I mean, it was. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. yeah, it was funny. It was probably funnier for us as a family, <laughs> just knowing him. Saying, I love the, the pride. Cut, cut it out. Yeah, cut yeah. it out. What'd you stop? It? <laughs> okay, now, yeah, now, yeah. now, Mitch. Now it's real. Uh, and it, it, yeah, so, I, I will yeah. say, God love the McDonald's of the world that just don't care. They just let you go because I've I've had to, we've all been there, and McDonald's is always there for you when you need them. You just pop in. Yeah, they, and there's sometimes it's the they're best. not always there when you need them. Hot shot. <laughs> well, it's the best with the McDonald's or like the bathrooms are in the back, so they don't see you come in. So you don't feel obligated to buy something. You no, just, you're never obligated to buy something. You just go right in. Go in and go out. Go no, right in. They don't care. I'm assuming there's them. more. You have more thoughts about this story about the Amazon driver defecating in the woman's garden. Well, yeah, I, I, I told you that she didn't want him arrested. She just made him clean it up, and then she reported the incident to Amazon and was promised a gift voucher as a goodwill oh. gesture. So yeah, there you How go. How much is the gift voucher? Maybe you might. It want might be, that to happen. It huh? might be rude for it. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Why don't you? I'll try it. Oh, wait, I'm not an Amazon driver. Crap. All right, I don't yeah. have a garden. So, you know, somebody once sent me Barry Manilow's greatest hits. Oh, God. So I, too, know what it's like to have a steaming pile sent to my house. I have no reaction. An Amazon spokesperson said that man has since been relieved of his duties. It was nice of the woman not to press charges. Sometimes in life, you just got to turn the other cheek. People love having Amazon deliver shit to their house, but come on, this is going too far. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, episode 104. Anything else? Any parting shots? That you? Or, in, or just, yeah, in, just in, in general, life? In life. Um, oh, I'd love the guy who reached out from Bend, Oregon. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. Hmm. You mean, uh, yeah. He, he says he's the only patron in, in, in Central Oregon, Central. which is so wrong. Yeah, come on. So wrong. We have... At least two. That's right. But he said the golf is great down there. Oh, I know it is. Yeah. I know it is. And the blockbuster, the whole thing. Oh. Why don't we do a, a road trip down to Bend? You and I, let's go. I'll, you Are we taking golf? the equipment? Are we doing the show from Bend, Oregon? <sighs> Are we just taking a road trip? We probably need do we to have to go camping? Will you shower? Or are you going to wait four days to shower? I mean, shower's probably not on the table. Probably not. But we're going to need Steve to work to help us out with this stuff. So let's do it. Road trip to Bend. I'm Episode in. 104, ladies and gentlemen. Road trip to Bend is in the books. <laughs> 